Welcome to the Double Take Podcast. If you drive under 50 miles per hour today, this podcast is going to explode. I'm, of course, talking about Speed, starring Keanu Reeves. Terrence and I welcome Malcolm to the show, and we relive some of the great moments in this movie. You know, rewatching Speed, it really reminded me how much I like this movie, but also how much I really liked Keanu in it. So let's get to it. And if you like what you hear, do us a favor and share this episode with a friend today. All right, pop quiz. Airport, gunman with one hostage. He's using her for cover. He's almost to a plane. You're 100 feet away. What do you think? Shoot the hostage. What? Go for the good wound and he can't get to the plane with her. Clear shot. You're deeply nuts, you know that? All right, gentlemen, what we have here are 13 passengers in an express elevator. Bomb's already taken out cable. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? <laughs> He can strike anywhere, at any time. Will the mystery guest please sign in? Why are they messing with me? Do they think I'm doing this for fun? (laughs) For L.A. cop Jack Traven. Tell me again, Harry, why did I take this job? Come on, 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Cool. The game began. Very exciting, Jack. Some close calls, huh? When someone put the city of Los Angeles to the ultimate test. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? Now. Are you insured? Yeah, why? He's the only solution. We just got a ransom demand from your terrorist. Says he's rigged the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? Stay on or get off. Get off. This is much better. Everybody hold on! trigger aimed at your head what do you do what do you do speed get ready for rush hour all right welcome again we are back on double take the movie podcast where we talk about your favorite hopefully your favorite rewatchable movies these are movies you can just watch over and over again today i have terrence and i have malcolm terrence good morning sir morning mark how's it going it's going good. Thanks, uh, thanks as always for being here with you. I have uh, I don't want to say first timer. I don't want to make it sound like you're, you know, some schlob, right? But Malcolm, welcome to uh, welcome to the Double Take, man. How you doing today? Hey y'all, what's going on? I love being called a schlob first thing in the morning. It's best <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Right, well, that's you know, I don't want to say it's your nickname, but we'll we'll see what happens. All right, today, uh, as you know, we're talking about Speed, which is I don't want to say fantastic movie, but it's kind of a fantastic movie. Like, let's just. I don't have another way to describe it, right? Before we get too deep, Terrence, why don't you tell us a little bit about this movie? If anyone hasn't seen it, they're the slob, just yes. so we know. 
But why don't you give us the lowdown? It's passed to you, you all. Sure. So <laughs> Speed is uh, one of the classic 90s action movies. Uh, stars Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Uh, Dennis Hopper and Jeff Daniels in it also. And it's pretty simple plot. There's a bomb on the bus. If it goes over 50 miles an hour, it arms. And if it goes back under 50, it explodes. So Keanu Reeves plays Jack, uh, LAPD cop. And he's trying to stop this bus from exploding and save everybody on it. So as we'll get into, they get into increasingly... Possibly unrealistic situations, but uh, increasingly exciting what? situations. No yeah. way. It's, it's <laughs> nothing about this movie is unrealistic. Yeah, this is an entirely realistic. That's true. This is this is actually a documentary. I, I misspoke. Um, we'll get into the ins and outs of it, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Sweet, sweet. Well, thank you for that, sir. So this movie's from 1994. In 94, I just gotten out of high school. Do the math. You could figure out my age, but so Malcolm, since uh, you know, we'll put you on the spot right away. Then, what is your like, what's your thoughts on this movie? Like, what what's going on with you? When you think of Speed, what do you think? Oh, man, I have so many uh, so many memories of childhood from this because I was not getting out of high school uh, when this came out. I was a bit younger. <laughs> um, so this came out, I think I probably saw this when I was about 10, a little bit after the year, uh, after it came out. And and if you haven't seen this movie, then, f- you know, forget you, but there's a person who gets... Schlob. We've, schlob. We've, yeah, yeah, we've established schlob. Yeah. The opening scene involves a shiv... There's a woman getting dragged under a bus, and there's a decapitation. And I thought this movie was great, and I was 10. So uh, clearly a a point in the 90s when we were allowed to consume more violence than I might let my children take on today. You got the violence as a 10-year-old, and you didn't turn out to be a serial killer that we know about? That you know about. Let's call it that. Fair. fair. (laughs) Nothing – never convicted. Never convicted. We'll go with that. Nice. Okay. Okay. What about you, Terrence? What's your thought? What's your – I was about the same age. I was 11 when it came out. I didn't see it in the movie theaters, but I'm pretty sure I saw it soon after. We've spoken a little bit before about how I've watched a lot of movies way, at way too young an age. I uh, watched a lot of horror movies, a lot of action movies, a lot of crazy stuff that uh, they give movies R ratings for a reason, and I didn't really pay attention to that much. Um, so, yeah, my situation was similar to Malcolm. I watched this movie. It was like, this is sick. <laughs> this is amazing. It's just nonstop action Crazy violence. It's got a lot of great one-liners and stuff in it. But, yeah, I, I, this is one of those movies that I loved the moment I saw it. So this movie is rated R, right? Uh, it's got to be, yeah. It's got to be, right? It's rated R. Did you say you went to the movie theater to watch it? I, I didn't I didn't see this one in the movie theater, no. But, but you did. No, I didn't see this oh, movie theater. So yeah, we both VHS saw it a little right? bit after you, probably when it came okay. out on video. I was just going to question the theaters that you went to is if you guys were 10 and 11 years old. I'm the, like, There might have been a know. moment or two of slipping into movies I wasn't supposed <laughs> to see, but this one... <laughs> This one, I wasn't quite there yet. I think that was more when I was 12 or 13. I was starting to You know, you know what we used to do go to before they had assigned seatings? And I won't say at what age I was when this happened, but we would go into a movie, and I'm sure you've all done this, and when that movie ends, you just slide on into the next theater. Oh, the old because, sneaky double feature. Oh, yeah, triple feature sometimes. <laughs> Forget about it, because you just get in there, and it's just first come, first serve for seating. You know, now you can't do that, but... Mark, we're not going to be able to get sponsored by AMC now after you say that. <laughs> Damn. Damn, AMC. <laughs> they were lining up. Yeah. You know, whatever. We got Regal. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, cool. So, um, yeah, so this movie for me, kind of the same thing. I, I don't remember seeing it in the theater, but, you know, this was a this was a VHS tape uh, constantly on, and then it was on TV for a while. You know, T- a TNT movie, as I like to call them, because they're just, when they're on, it's like, oh, put this on again. Yeah, and I'll be honest. On the rewatch of this one, I didn't remember all of the beginning because I don't know how many times I've seen the beginning. I just seen the 
the chunk of the movie. Like even the end, I, I forgot how it ended when I'm watching it. I'm like, what? What's going <laughs> to happen here? And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I know I've seen it, but like it's the middle that I see mostly because that's just how it goes, right? The attention span. This movie came out in 94, as we said, right? So, but Mr. Ebert gave it four stars. So, he, which is surprising, right? Because we said he's not usually an action movie star giver. He's usually, yeah. he likes the the detailed characters or whatever he's into. So he got four stars. Uh, so 35 million was their budget, made about 350 at the box office, which is a, is a great turnaround nice, for 94. Yeah. So in 94, this movie was up against uh, a couple of, couple of big movies. Uh, Lion King was number one that year. Forrest Gump, True Lies, those are the top three in 94. So all good movies at that point. But um, So overall, Speed came in seventh, if you're talking box office, uh, box office numbers. You know what I mean? Does that sound accurate to you? Does that seem like yeah. it seem like Yeah, it I mean, if we were a little older, they would have gotten all our money. I, I wish they'd re-release it. We could go watch it now. They're doing that too, I think. I think yeah, not this movie. You see but older they, movies coming out. Yeah, yeah. this think, would be great on a big screen, though. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Little, With the little. touched up, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like just because because they, they do that for uh, what like a Blu-ray or something like that. They put a director's cut or whatever. But I think this one was pretty good. So what do you know about the director, Jan de Bont? Uh, well, yeah, did a little research on him. Uh, he directed Twister. Also, um, he was the cinematographer on Die Hard, and you can see a lot of the similar through lines between Die Hard and this, between the action scenes and the explosions and all that kind of stuff. Even the plot is, it's, after Die Hard, there was a lot of Die Hard clones, so this is essentially Die Hard on a bus, like you yep. get similar <laughs> situations. Yep. Um, but yeah, he did good stuff. He uh, he was cinematographer on Hunt for Red October, uh, Lethal Weapon 3, I saw. So yeah, good, good career instinct. on the genre stuff. Yeah, Basic Instinct. I saw Cujo even earlier than that. Has um, he directed... These are, was he cinematographer? He was. Those were big... just cinematographer. I think. I think as far as uh, directing, it was just Twister, and then he directed Speed Two, which we don't ever need to talk about. <laughs> um, but I think those were his three big directing credits. It was mostly cinematographer for him. This was his debut. I'm gonna do our man a favor. His name's Jan. Dubon. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> He's European. <Mark. laughs> my bad. My bad. But but this was his. Uh, when I was doing some research on this, this was his debut, and they had offered it to somebody else who turned it down because it sounded too much like Die Hard. And then of course, who was the other guy who wanted to do it? Uh, Tarantino. I Tarantino. saw was Tarantino. To. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see. My, I didn't see Tarantino. Yeah, he Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, wanted perfect. To do it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's crazy. When I watch, when I think back, I'm like, was this an early Michael Bay? It, <laughs> yeah, it's really in the same Transformers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it would have been that would have been uh, even more ridiculous explosions and bus jumps and yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, uh, like Terrence was saying, Tarantino turned it down because he was doing a little movie called Pulp Fiction that he chose to do instead. So yeah, I'm glad. I, I, yeah, I can't it worked see out for everybody. As, I can't see this as a Tarantino movie. <laughs> you know? Oh, I could. He could put his own stamp on it. But yeah, I'm glad we've. We wouldn't want to take Pulp Fiction out of the if world. If this became a movie, we'd have there'd be a Michael Madsen appearance. Yeah, maybe Harvey Keitel might yeah. have been the bad guy or something. Like you know, Tarantino would have played Alan Ruck. He would have taken Alan Ruck. <laughs> yeah, would have totally been Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the airport. I've seen the airport. <laughs> would have been great. Not much about Jan, if you will, the European Jan. You know, sorry, you always be Jan to me. So of course, let's get into Keanu Reeves for a little bit because there's not a person on this planet who doesn't like Keanu Reeves. I mean, if there is, shame on you. (laughs) This guy is just awesome. Now, I'm going to say this, and this may not be the popular opinion. He's not particularly the best 
actor in the world. You always harping on Keanu's acting. You know well, I, mean? <laughs> I don't think he's he's not like the dramatic actor, right? He's right. not going to give you that Denzel speech or something like that, right? But that being said, I'll watch every single one of his movies. Like, I love him to pieces. Like, this is just a guy that I think it's the respect level of what he brings. Like, when you do the research on how he got started and like what he does for his roles. I mean, we've all seen John Wick, which obviously is what most of the universe knows him as. But this movie was the first movie where this was his breakout role, so to speak. Like, it wasn't his first movie, but it was this became a household name more or less when he did this yeah. movie. So Keanu's awesome. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> the best way to put it. I mean, he, he did Point Break a little earlier, a couple of years before this. Yep. Um, but yeah, this was kind of the start of Keanu Reeves action star. He, he went on obviously to do the Matrix franchise and then, John Wick and uh, yeah, he. I, I feel like it's not just you, Mark. It's it's almost everybody. Whenever Keanu comes up, there's always like the disclaimer of, "Oh, but he's not the best actor." But to me, it's like he's a movie star. Like all the movies he's in, he's not he's not in these parts that are going to win him like the best actor Oscar. Like so, you don't need like the he doesn't need to do an accent. He doesn't need to learn anything crazy. But like for the parts he's in, like for this, he's got he does a lot of his own stunts as we could get into. He's in like a lot of exciting situations. He's got amazing chemistry with Sandra Bullock. Uh, there's a great like friction and dynamic between him and Dennis Hopper in the movie. Like he's a perfect fit for this movie. And like all the movies he's in, Matrix, John Wick, like he just nails it. Like he's he's entertaining to watch, and his movies are always like those rewatchable kind of movies that you want to keep returning to. And let's not forget that he uh, prior to this, right? What did we know him as? But as Ted. Yep, yeah, he was in Bill and Ted, yeah. and so this was the time when he was trying to break out into, oh, I'm a serious actor, right? And be, <laughs> yeah. and be brooding Keanu Reeves, and Point Break is a Point Break's a great cut because that's a that's a real underrated classic. But oh yeah, he comes in here and is you know all jacked up, you know, taking off the layers of the shirts back and forth, and just how long can I hang on to some other flying vehicle yeah. <laughs> for some period of time yeah. and fight Dennis Hopper again. I agree with what, what both of you guys are saying with like, he's not, the role isn't meant to be this, like he's not in rom-coms. I think he, there's a couple of movies that we tried to do some things like that and they didn't do so well, you know? So this is one of those, um, I think of like, you ever seen him in hardball? Yes. When he's like, yeah, a, we've spoken a gamble about, that, or whatever. about that movie. Yeah. So I look at the movie like that and that movie has a lot of like emotion to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you know, however, you know, you know how it ends. Right. But Something like that, like again, like I, I don't want. I, I feel like I'm just putting Keanu down. I don't want to do that, but uh, he's hating on my guy. He was, I know. You know, I'm going to switch subjects because <laughs> I feel like he did a great job in that. But you could put someone else in that, and that movie would be good. I don't know that you could put someone else in Speed, and it's the same movie. Like he did fantastic in this movie, which yeah. is why he got what he got. But that's my, you know, maybe my unpopular opinion on it. You know what I mean? No, you're right. And I mean, from the the research I did, it seemed like he was kind of a reluctant. Action star, like you said, Malcolm, he was looking to be a serious actor. He got some roles in some more serious, dramatic parts, and he wasn't really looking to become an action guy. But listen, you gotta you gotta go with what you're good at. You gotta give the people what they want. So once he did this, uh, it was kind of no looking back for him. So I have some fun piano facts. Uh, I'm gonna save those to a little bit after. We'll do them. Well, I'll do them towards the end. But some okay. of them you probably have, and they may come out throughout the show. So. We'll just wait on that. If the podcast goes under 50 miles an hour, you got to break those out. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, the villain in this, Dennis Hopper. I mean, this guy, awesome. Like, talk about talk about a great villain, right? This guy was fantastic. Now, for me, he's been acting for a long time. I mean, this guy has over 200 movie credits, right? 
I couldn't tell you all his movies. I went, I looked through the list, and I recognized maybe a small handful, like from from my age group that I remember. You know, he's the bad guy in Waterworld. You know, he's uh, obviously the bad guy in this fantastic scene and and true romance yes. with, uh, Christopher with Christopher Walken, Walken in there. Yeah. Oh man, like like we'll get into that after. But you know, he was in uh, like. Cool Hand Luke, Easy Rider, Hoosiers. Like he was, he had roles in those movies as well. He directed Easy Rider, yeah. Did he really? Okay, yeah. well, there you go. So, but those are from, I mean, that's from the 60s, you know, late 60s, or whatever. So, a little before my time. I'm clearly before your times as well. So, <laughs> not to take away from his performance or whatever, but either way, what he is now is awesome. You know, so he was, I think he was perfect for this role. Did you like him as the villain, Malcolm? I did. You know, I thought that, I think he plays that. The fact that they worked him in as a retired cop, right, and like really pulling on the pension and mm-hmm. this sort of disgruntled white guy that I think now becomes so much of a narrative that we have in our heads about what a villain could look like. But that was kind of new for the period of time that we were working on. You know, villains were more sinister or they were um, more cloaked and things like that. And this is just a, you know, he starts off looking like a repair guy, right? Yeah. To, you know, yeah. there's somebody's grandfather or dad. Yep. Just you know, they're there to work on an elevator shaft and then put a screwdriver in a guy's head. You know, totally a totally a guy <laughs> you'd, you'd have come over for Thanksgiving. And that's a Tuesday at uh, where, where I work. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Sandra Bullock, right? So this was uh, this was kind of her breakout role too. I mean, this was her probably biggest role to that point. I mean, she's been in other movies, but this was really the one, at least in my opinion, I think where she was. She was at her best. I think the only movie I remember seeing her in before this was uh, Demolition Man. Yeah. She was in there. So that was pretty good. She played a, I don't want to say a similar character, but just kind of, she's obviously cute. So it's like, you're cute. You can say whatever you want. You have a little kind of unintentional comedy going on in there. She's obviously gone on to have this incredible career of of movies, like both comedy and, and everything else. So Th- This put her on the map for me. I mean, yeah, she, I think Demolition Man was the year before mm-hmm. she did that. And that was another movie that... I was definitely too young to watch when I watched it, Malcolm. You're probably with me. Um, but I'm pretty positive I saw Speed first, and so that was my first exposure to her. But, yeah, she's just, like, the perfect person for this role. It's like she's beautiful, but she's got that girl-next-door thing going, but she's also funny and relatable. Like, you can believe her in all the situations where she's kind of thrust into having to drive the bus and and the bus driver gets shot and all these different things happen. Like, all her reactions are are grounded and believable, and I think she really adds a ton to the movie. Her, like we said, her chemistry with Keanu was off the charts, so you, you always want, if they got like a romantic subplot to it, you want to have that. You want to get the feeling that the actors are into each other, and they definitely gave that off. So, yeah, she was she was incredible. Once you saw her in this movie, you're like, all right, I mean, what's she doing next? I want to know what her next movie yeah. is. I'm in. Yeah, yep. she was a 90s babe, right? You yeah. Know, like a, oh, sure. For a, if you were a kid growing up in the 90s, like Sandra Bullock was on your list of like yeah. girls I wish I could take out on a date. Definitely. Yeah. And more. And, uh, you know, the movie that I remember with her, I think about this and then the next year she did, which is so funny, but this is one that my family always watches is While You Were Sleeping, where she plays oh, yeah. the, you know, she, she plays that same sort of like semi-bumbling um or yeah. like accidental comedy kind of things, but that real sweet girl next door who has the wit to her. And so you get the you get Sandra Bullock driving a you know, driving a exploding bus and you get Sandra Bullock like, you know, being with Bill Pullman and uh and by that point you're like, All right, this is the girl that I wanna find in my life who, you know, I wanna yeah, yeah. I wanna have, yeah. right? <laughs> she she wasn't like like you've got some of these movie stars that are like just they seem unattainable, whether they're just like supermodel or they're like Sharon Stone they're just like above everybody yeah. but like she really was like 
It's like I could meet this girl at the bus stop. I could meet this girl like yeah. just at work. So yeah, she had that quality where, like you said, like kind of bumbling, kind of like she didn't have all the answers, but she was doing her best, and like she really cornered the market on that. Yeah, you sort of found her as the progression from like a Meg Ryan, maybe, right? Yeah. You know, and so in that time period, and the way I remember thinking about this when I was twelve, right, and what I was doing was thinking about girls a lot at twelve, <laughs> was. You know, there was kind of Julia Roberts in this one hand, right? The the Sharon Stone, you know, like supermodel kind of hot level, and then you had Sandra Bullock over here that was the you know the like the per, the the like a girl the, next door. Yeah, the of. hidden gem, right? You know, you the go. like the diamond yeah. in the rough. You like, oh wow, I walked into this. Yeah, everything you guys said is actually spot. I love the the, the bumbling description. It's probably the best thing because because <laughs> that she she pulls it off. You know, that's what she does. Even in um, like I loved her in a Time to Kill. You know, small role. But enough where you're like, I want more of this girl because she's super sexy. And you're like, what, what's going to happen here? What's going on? And then it just leaves you wanting more. Yeah, she always stands out, even if she's just got a few minutes yeah. of screen time. Yeah, grabs yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. But then she got into a lot more. Like, I mean, she does a lot of comedy stuff, right? So I, I actually liked a lot uh, The Proposal, which that was more recently with Ryan Reynolds yeah. was pretty good. You know, she plays kind of an older kind of, she's supposed to be a, a bitchy boss, whatever. But I got to say, my favorite movie with her was probably The Blind Side. Okay. Um, great, great movie. You know, just she just delivers a lot of uh, like she's very powerful in that movie as well. Like she's just this like strong Southern woman or whatever she plays. And correct me if I need to be, but I I think she got the Oscar for that too. Yeah, that's I her like so, Apex yeah. Mountain, as they you know they say, or their her peak moment. Right? Was the uh, yeah. that was two thousand nine? You know, it was fifteen years later. Like she was she was made by that point, and uh, that character took on a different place. And yeah, and she got a she got a big award for that, which. Fair enough. The last thing I saw her, I, I saw her, I've seen her in, <laughs> was uh, The Lost City. Did you watch that? It was on Netflix. I haven't gotten around to that. Yeah, me you, and my wife, we're going to watch should. With You should. With Channing Tatum, right? Channing Tatum. And the sole reason, it's not, be, honestly, it's not necessarily because she's in it. Like, she's great in it. There's a, like, a cameo, and I, I'm going to spoil it, I don't care, from uh, Brad Pitt. And it's just, he's not in it long, but it's probably the best. Like, we talk a lot about big actors just making little pops in these movies, Brad Pitt throwing 100 miles an hour in this movie for this. Like, he's in it for, like, two, maybe three scenes, if that. And it's fantastic. So watch it just for that. Well, it's interesting because I know, like I said, I haven't seen that movie. But I think in the same year or definitely around the same time, that movie Bullet Train. I don't know if you guys have seen that one that Brad Pitt stars in. That's a fun action movie and kind of speed adjacent with them being on a speeding train. But Sandra Bullock has a cameo in that. And so the two of them kind of link up. There you go. So check it out. But she's good. I mean, we all agree. She's great. She's great in the nineties for our our youth selves, youthful selves. I don't know. All right, so let me go into Jeff Daniels, who's the uh, I was like co star, but whatever. Like, so Malcolm, you you're a big fan of Jeff Daniels, right? So oh, I love Daniels. Yeah, this guy. I don't know if you knew this, but he was supposed to initially be the villain in this movie. They were going to do a twist where he was involved in it, and as they were writing it, they kind of said, "That's eh, kind of a change it up." Yeah. yeah, kind of a cheap little twist to that. So they they got rid of it and. It is what it is now, but I don't know. I, I didn't mind him in this. I mean, he's a good, uh, I don't want to say sidekick because I think he's, old, he's the older, you know, cop in this situation, but he is, though. Uh, he's definitely like kind of playing second fiddle to Keanu. And yeah, but yeah, Malcolm, you're, you're big on Jeff Daniels, right? Go into what you think. As, as Hopper said, he's the particular brains of this operation, you know. <laughs> uh, there's that great line in the beginning. He says, um, you know, they're looking at the wad, the bomb on the elevator. He said, uh, what do you think? He asked, he asked Keanu, what do you think? And, and Reeves goes, you're the expert. I just work here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, and I think, you know, 
this is 94. I forget what year Dumb and Dumber was, right? Same but, year, like same, six months oh later. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's wild. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, so you have, you know, if you were a kid then or you were like growing up as a young person there, you had Carrie and Daniels as Dumb and Dumber and you could never quite shake that fully out of your head for a while. True. But when you look back at it, or when I look back at it, after having, you know, years later watched the newsroom, right? Oh, and yeah. And watched Jeff Daniels play essentially that role, right? This is this is Daniels at an earlier stage being, you know, being uh, the host that he was on the newsroom, kind of like really the quick-witted, sarcastic, a, a bit of like, I am clearly the smartest guy here. Yeah. And he's such a versatile guy because he's the dumbest guy. Well... I, Jim Carrey might be a little dumber in that movie, Second but it's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, he he could pull off anything. He could do comedy. He can do serious stuff. He can sound like the smartest guy in the room, and yeah, like you really feel it when he gets blown to hell in this one. Not to circle back to my um, my Keanu statement from earlier, but like everything you just said, you see the range of someone like Jeff Daniels. Like this guy, he's he's a great actor. There's just so much he can do. He can play the the dumb. The dumb guy comedy and it's and it's funny maybe I don't know if it holds up now maybe but you know but then you're right then he has the serious side that he just you believe him as uh, in, in newsroom you believe him as someone you you put a suit on him and he's given a speech he could play the president in a movie and you'd be like oh that that makes sense like I could see that so I I love when actors have that kind of range and, and Daniels is one of those you know Terrence and I are big fans of the the secondary casting in these movies because they really make the movie better it's not just about one star everyone else is a bunch of extras. When you have five or six people in a movie that elevate certain scenes, it it brings that movie to another level, and Jeff Daniels does that. Yeah, they kind of leave you wanting more, too, because obviously he gets blown up. Harry, his character, gets blown up like kind of midway through the movie. But you see early on, like when uh, Dennis Hopper's in the elevator, Keanu Reeves kind of figures out, hey, he's got to be here, like that he planted the bomb. Like he couldn't, why would he blow it up? And then you see later Harry, Jeff Daniels' character, how smart he is. He kind of figures out, oh, the gold watch. He, oh, he, let's check. Let's not just check our old records on the criminals, the convicted criminals. Let's look at the actual cops. Yep. And that's how they lead him to that. So, yeah, the, the two of them are, they got the action chops, but they got the, the intelligence, too, to pull yep. it off. It's funny that point when he says, like, I want to see the files, right? They're, they're talking about, like, paper files. Paper, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, like oh, yeah. pre-internet. Folders, like, yeah, know. the guy's from Atlanta. You know, now he's in LAPD. And it's like... The the woman who he's telling that to, like, what room is she going down to? Yeah, <laughs> like, down to the archives. Stuff. <laughs> yep. That's too funny. Yeah, and who updates that, right? Whenever you make a change, like, you think about, and this was 94, like, there was computers, plenty of computers then, but I don't think everything got fully switched over at that point. But even now, I think that's a good effect, though, when you look at that, because as a, someone watching a movie, when someone opens a file on a desk and it always has the little, the headshot, which looks like it was taken yesterday, you know, clamped to the picture. Like, oh, this is what he looks like. You know, what if when he was a cop, the picture, it was 20 years younger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing like a young John Voight or something in there and you look at him now and it's like, wait a minute, that's not the same guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a, a work badge and it's from my pictures from six years ago. Right. It doesn't look like me anymore, but I keep the same badge. So if they ever pull that picture and say, oh, we're looking for this guy, where is he? That was before the surgery. Was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Before the face-off scene. Yeah. In the cage. <laughs> right, right. But I'm saying, it, like, it's me, but it's not. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah. it's funny in these movies, like, any cop show, when they have the, you know, they got the, the board on the wall, you know, and they're putting the strings, oh, this is the oh, ringleader, yeah. and these are the people that work for him. The picture is always, like, you know, the perfect headshot of, like, a criminal. You know, yeah. we can't get him on camera, but 
we get this perfect. He stopped by to fill in your board. Really <laughs> yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> That's probably a good spot to jump off about, like kind of how dated the movie is. Like this is very much a product of the '90s, like you said about going to get the files. Like if this took place today, everybody on the bus would be like live streaming it, and people would be seeing it. Yeah. The whole plot point revolving around the uh, the camera that uh, Hopper is watching them, and it's not just like the news choppers that he's seen it with. Like the graphics you see, we talked about the the movie opens in the elevator where Dennis Hopper is pretending to be a repairman. He's going to blow up this elevator and you see just the credits rolling by and the, the title card for speed. Like it, it looked a little bad. Like yeah, just looking yeah. back, it looked very dated. I mean, I loved it cause we've all got this nostalgia for it, but looking at it when it happens, like, wow, this is definitely a product of its time. So to round out this cast, right. You had, you know, we talked about Alan Ruck in there. I mean, this guy, I mean, if you don't know who Alan Ruck is, I mean, Cameron Fry. That's Cameron, his, baby. That's his guy, you know? But one of those actors where he's um, he's that guy. You know, you see him in a lot of things. I mean, he's in a lot of movies. Joe Morton was, uh, I believe, the cop, the the head cop guy that was Cameron's yeah. boss in this he's movie. Mac. Yeah. You know, Mac, right. He was in um, Terminator 2. You yeah, seen that? he's, he's awesome in that know, movie. Yeah. But he but he's in a lot of things. Like, and I looked him up, and I'm like, I, I see the movies he's in and the TV shows and all the appearances. These guys do hundreds of appearances in places. You know, never a leading guy. But that's where the... That's where it fits the the bill, right? I don't need you to lead it. I need you to be a guy in the bus. I mean, you're going to have four or five scenes. Crush it and get out. Yeah. Play off of Keanu. Play off of Arnold Schwarzenegger and yeah. just enhance everything. Exactly. Have. Yep. So lots of those guys in there. I was looking up some uh, some people. So we did Varsity Blues, right? And we made fun of Lance's dad for his accent. Oh, my God. He's he the cop. The, yeah. Wow, that's right. That's I knew I recognized that yeah. guy. He's Norwood. Oh, that's, oh! I didn't know. I'm, he's one of those guys. Usually, whenever I see somebody in a movie that like I recognize, like one of those that guy kind of guys, yep. I'll usually look it up after. I forgot to look up him because I'm like, man, I recognize that guy, but I couldn't think of what. That's so wild. He's from Varsity Blues. Yeah, right? I only thought of it because like that's an episode on, on yep. the double take. You know, um, I like the when Keanu first steals the the guy's car, the convertible. Oh, yeah. uh, Glenn Plummer is that guy's yeah. name. He's the Homeless guy in the day after tomorrow. If you've seen, if you like mm. destruction movies, yep. yeah, he's that guy. Because I like that guy. Like he's again, he's got those one or two kind of sarcastic comedy lines. That you just, scratch this puppy and me, and you're gonna have words. Understand right, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh like, shit! You're in a high speed chase and you're talking shit to this guy. You know. <laughs> but I like that. Like that's what you want. Because like, that's probably probably someone that is, it's probably a real character in LA is doing that. Like you're in my convertible convertible Porsche or whatever he's got. Don't scratch my car, bro. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? So going back to like the time periods, like, sir, I'm gonna need to take your phone after he drives his door off the side of the bus. Like, Man, take the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's only in it for a couple minutes, but he's amazing. He's like, This is my car. I own this car. It's not stolen. And Ken is like, it is now. <laughs> I love it. Just, I love just it. good writing. So all right, so let's get into this. Uh like we can dive right into this. You you started talking about the uh the opening scene. Uh I think we all agree. Why do we have this five-minute elevator, like, during the credits? This is the, this is the 90s movie It's a slow production. roll to start, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you get all the, his who's in the movie, the camera's just panning down 32 floors or whatever. Clearly a little ridiculous on the opening scene. <laughs> right, so not a big fan of that. But, again, that's just you, Sean, like, you mentioning how dated that it is. So how many people you think developed, like, a, a fear of elevators after, uh, oh. after this opening scene, <laughs> right? Like, because they're in here with the, I think it was the 32nd floor. Yeah. So they get in there. And that's, I work in an office building. We have four floors. And there's been times where the elevator gets stuck. You know, I don't want to be stuck in there. So I started looking it up. 
and I found this article, and I didn't write this part down. But I'm just going to remember it. There was, there was an, I was trying to find out if there was a name, by the way, for elevator phobia. There isn't. Uh, there's not an official phobia for it. It's like, That's shocking. Oh. It is. It you know, is. words for everything. There, there was a couple different, like it's claustrophobia or whatever. Like, there's different pieces that fit it, right? Anyway, this guy writes an article, and this is true. I should, I should actually find the link. It was like how not to get – like what to do when you're stuck on an elevator, right? Everything listed was if you plan on being stuck. It was like, oh, go to the bathroom, charge your phone, bring snacks. You know, Who's like, planning it out? Right, that's that's not the way I'm it saying. works. I'm reading this. I'm like, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody – like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this with me at all times every time I got to take an elevator. Hey, like, he, he no. got your click, Mark, so he's, he's happy. He you know what? That's true. <laughs> you know what? He wins, he wins his battle. <laughs> all right. Touche. Touche. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, you mentioned a little bit about the elevator scene where, you know, they figure it out. And then, you know, Jeff Daniels' character is like, oh, he's going to be here, you know. So overall, this first, like, the whole process of this, I think, with the with the elevator hijacked, I think at the time, this was probably one of the first times we've seen this, right? We haven't seen a lot of elevator terrorists, if you will. Right? Yeah, only other big elevator scene I can think in a movie came a few years later, like Mission Impossible, the first one. Where Emilio Estevez gets just spiked through the top of it. Yeah, and like two minutes in, yeah. Yeah, that's at the beginning, too. Interesting. Okay. There's two characters in this movie that I could do without. One of them was the girl in the elevator who decided, like, she couldn't make the jump or whatever. The lady at the end, the last one to get off? Yeah. Yeah, and then the other one's scared. the lady on the bus. She wanted that, her to just plummet to her death. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and then the other lady who actually got run over on the bus because she's like, like you oh, yeah, we'll bus, get into so her. Gonna, yeah, those two characters drive me crazy in this. But, you know, again, I think that they're real. I think people would do that. Like, I, I don't, I've never been in a situation where I, I can't get off a bus. So I don't know what it's, what goes through your head or not. But, anyways. Yeah, I think, I think the lady in the elevator, like her brain just locked up. Like, it, if you're just looking at it, like, Unemotionally, it's like, listen, if you don't get off this elevator, you're going to die. Yeah. But she's like, I'm terrified right now. I feel like if I move, it's going to make it fall. I'm going to die. So I get a little bit. But yeah, it's like, come on, just go. Jump. Take his hand. Get out. Yep. Yeah, she makes leg, it by the skin of her teeth. The leg freeze, right? That she's that she's stuck there. You know, and it, one of those like unbelievable moments for me is that, you know, they have. And this comes up a couple of times. I'll hit on this where, where Keanu has to play the like soft cop thing. He's like, just take one step. And grab my hand. And yeah. she's like, no, no. And he's like, take my hand! Yeah. He's like, All right, I tried <laughs> yeah. the soft way. Now it's time to And then she coming. comes and it's like, you know that doesn't work. Like, <laughs> you don't shout at people when they do stuff. <laughs> I love it. The only problem I had with this scene was they ran up 32 flights of stairs. Not a, not a beat of sweat. Not, no, not breathing yeah. heavy. Right? I can see Good Keanu. training in the LAPD. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I can see Keanu. He's in shape, right? No chance Jeff Daniels makes it up there without being like, like we've seen Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. it's not going to happen. Just a little nitpick for me there, but uh, good scene though. And then you get the when they when they finally find him. This is where you get one of the better quotes, right? The the pop quiz hot shot quote. Yes. What I didn't realize the first time, first times that I've watched this movie was I thought Dennis Hopper made that up. He didn't like he overheard them saying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I picked that up this time and I'm like, oh, okay. It was, I think Jeff Daniels said it initially. Like, yeah, Keanu says he'd shoot the hostage and yeah, yeah. Dennis Hopper could overhear him. Because he's, you know, he's the older cop in this scenario. He's like, I just work here, right? He's still coaching Keanu in that way. Like, okay, pop quiz. What do you think of this? And I thought that's kind of cool. It's like that whole Jedi Padawan situation there, you know, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it's quite that level. Use but, his own words against him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, so good good opening scene. I mean, this was really 
with exception to the credits coming through, this really dives into the movie in a good in a good space, you know. And you see right away Dennis Hopper as a good villain. Like when you think he, he blew himself up, and you're like, "Who does that?" You know. But there you go, laughing like a maniac as he goes to the door. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of setup in this scene that supports the bus scene, right? You know, so like oh, yeah. um, like about Hopper. So it, they said I forget exactly what Max says, but it. It puts him in the crazy but not stupid category, right? That comes back out through. There's the time when Jack Reeves' character is trying to hook the the crane to the elevator as a counterbalance. Yes. And he's saying, like, why did I take this job? And he says, (laughs) oh, you know, 30 more years of this, you get a tiny pension and a cheap gold watch. Yep. uh, Gold watch plays a big part. Yeah, Yeah. good foreshadowing, right? So there are these... There are all these little nuggets that um, – and that's why I think Daniels is awesome in this role because he just spits out these little lines. They're pulling the people off of the elevator and they get the last one off and they run away and he looks at me and goes, was it good for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, there was actually supposed to be more one-liners in this movie and Keanu didn't want to do them all, you know, which was the cliche 90s action. They struck movie. a nice balance, I thought. It didn't go too much into just goofiness and comedy, but yeah. like there's enough – like there's a bunch of times where you left just – like uh, they're talking about shooting the hostage and Hopper's got uh, Jeff Daniels and Daniel says to Keanu, he's like, shoot the hostage. And he does. And he's like, you fuck. <laughs> and Keanu just like shrugs. Like, well, what do you want me to do? You tell me. I can't believe you shot me. What are you doing? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, just, I think just enough of the, the comic relief, which is what you want in a 90s. I mean, this is, this part of the formula. You know what I mean? You have action, you got, you know, you got the girl, you get, this movie captures a lot. Yeah, and, and any action movie, like, you really got to hit the ground running. And this movie does that. Like, getting in on the elevator scene, it's not the main thing. We, everybody comes into this knowing it's about the bus. There's a bomb on the bus. But this, like, just gets you, like, okay, already this big terrorist act. There's lives at stake. You get to understand the heroes and what they're capable of. Like, this kind of follows that playbook to a T. Yep, yep. And, you, and the villain, you figure out what the villain's capable yeah. of. You know, he's willing to kill. Definitely. Stab the guy yeah. with the screwdriver or whatever at the beginning. Where he could have probably talked his way out of that. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I get my work order. Like, uh, let me just yeah, he get was, this covered or whatever. But instead, he's like, I'll just kill this guy and we're good. Nothing you know? personal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, but there you go. That's that's what makes him a good villain. So then you get the bus sequence starts. Supposedly, Keanu's hungover all day long, right? So he's they're out celebrating that they caught this guy, get some award or whatever. Yeah. So now, like, he he's at the coffee shop, right? Again, the, the guy manning the coffee shop. I didn't catch his name, but like you recognize him too. He's just another one of those faces you like. Oh, yeah. it's, it's that guy. Like he's in. He's on other things. So that was kind of cool for me. But what I thought was kind of funny was when you see Sandra Bullock getting on the bus that they're trying to get to, and I, maybe I'm jumping ahead from it here. But one of my favorite parts is when Alan Ruck, Cameron Fry, starts hitting on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm a tourist just got into town or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, you want to shut up? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Okay, great. And then she moves seats. Well, you know, I mean? you know how she 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 takes the gum out of her mouth. I don't think I realize it's the first hundred times I watched it, but she's chewing gum, and then she takes it out of her mouth like without him seeing, and makes like she got it stuck on her hand from under the seat. She's like, I got gum on my seat, gum. And that's like her excuse <laughs> oh, to move away, just awesome. to get away from. Yeah, I think the first hundred times it was like. Oh, there, she just stuck her hand in gum. But it's like, no, she did that on purpose just to get away from him because he's so annoying. Yeah. That's, that's a good little tidbit. I never <laughs> noticed that. That's awesome. Nice. I love when Keanu confiscates the guy's car. Like, what would you do if that was you? Like, if you're that guy in the car and there's a dude waving either a badge or a gun, you know, you hey, just pull over, I need your car. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't know. I, I would do one thing different. I would get out of the car. It's like, you obviously need this for something crazy. 
I'll wait here, and whatever happens, I'll deal with with my insurance company. But like, I'm not going <laughs> to ride along with you. That that was a bad move. One of my fears is always, you know, we used to have a, a minivan when my kids are younger. You know, like, what do you do if you got kids in the back seat and someone's trying to like carjack you or something? You know what I mean? Like, like you're not getting out then, obviously. But if anyone who ever put a kid in a car seat, you can't just click one button yeah, and no. the kid comes out. You know what I mean? It's, oh, get your arm out. You're doing this. Like, like it's a process. You, you know? got to, like, strain your back and yell at your kid. Yeah. yeah. Like, There's moving, snacks you know. falling all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, you'd hope that if it's a cop taking it, like, for he's commandeering it for some official purpose, he's going to get the right one. He's not going to get the minivan. He's not taking the minivan to yeah. chase down. Yeah. Well, let's highlight sort of where this movie hits, right? This is So this is 94, and they... You know, I'm, I'm just going to say the part of like where they're a little less sensitive. They want, you know, they want a funny black guy who's different than Keanu, who's got a fast car, right? Yeah. yeah. And he puts a gun in his face, and he, and what you said earlier, you know, this is my car. It's you know, I own this car. <laughs> yeah. But like, could you even have that scene in a movie or anything in a close to a TV show today? No, you absolutely probably could, not. No. Right? That scene right. doesn't exist. You know, that's that's a whole different place. We're too PC now, is what you're saying. Right? Well, too PC and well and too real life. Right, you know, like like it, that yeah, was a, a lot an of interesting, now an interesting with... uh, kind of look back at like he said the things that you know I own this car, I didn't steal it, you know. Um, whereas now, you know, there's there's just too much. It's that's off limits for what yeah. a, for what a director or what a producer could put in a movie. That's true. Yeah, that's writing that they take it, out. It was of that yeah. era, and we we talked. You mentioned Mark how Michael Bay was wanting to direct this. Like he's always got a character like that. Like I think about Armageddon. You got Eddie Griffin walking the dog when the the meteors, asteroids, whatever are hitting. Yep. He's kind of got that like three minute comic relief scene, and yeah, that that's kind of a hallmark of this time. But well, yeah, same thing. Like this, this same actor, like he was the homeless guy. Same with Eddie Griffin. Like he's what homeless walking his dog or something. Like why is the homeless guy always this old black guy who sits there and like are, are these the only homeless guys in, in town? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but you're right. It's they're funny. They're com- comedic. So like for the movie purposes, it's enjoyable. But you're right. It's like if you if we dive deeper into it, and you're like. I, you're right. I think that's a you got to be scene. a little more conscious of race, like going forward. Like, and I know we always get into our casting, what ifs, and stuff like that. I'll mention just one now. Like, I know they offered uh, the Annie part to Halle Berry, and that would have changed the dynamic a lot because back then you didn't have a lot of like interracial on-screen romances. So if it was Keanu and Halle Berry, that would have been like kind of shocking at the time in 1994. Now, like that happens all the time, and it's, you don't bat an eye at. It. There's no reason to. It's fair. Huh. I wonder even who she was. I mean, the, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but where was she? Even then, that was b- way before Monsters Ball, right? Yeah, you know, and all those other things. So, so yeah, Holly Berry in '94. Well, 2000, she was in X Men. So, what was she doing six years prior? I mean, I mean, but if you're talking about having a crush on an actress like Sandra Bullock, I mean, oh yeah, she you put Holly Berry that. in that category. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like Samuel. You don't like, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? You think so? <laughs> yep. Like, how different would this movie be if it was remade? That being said, never remake this movie. It's it's yeah. perfect the way it is. Like, don't don't mess with it, right? We're good. Certainly not three years later without the main actor in it. Yeah, on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we talked about some of the some of the little comedy in the one-liners. I, I like the chemistry with Kano and Sandra Bullock in this movie, where so she starts driving the bus. You know, she's like, oh, actually, I'm only here because I lost my license for speeding. You know what I mean? I yeah. thought that was a nice, uh, a nice touch that they throw in there. I thought it was pretty cool. Ma'am, can you handle this bus? Yeah, it's just like a really big Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? I love how he calls her ma'am, like, until she says her name, right? Yeah. One of, like, and this would be part of my favorite scenes, but I really love, 
And this is what got me really jacked about this movie when I'm watching it. The carnage that takes place when they're on the bus and they're trying to like get on the highway or whatever. And they're just all the cars along the street are parked and they're just like they're just oh, banging yeah. into all of them. I'm thinking from someone my age who maybe lives there and my car's parked and I see a bus come through and like jam my car. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah. like someone's <laughs> Nobody ever thinks head. about the poor guy whose car <laughs> right. just got smashed. Yeah, it's, yeah it's All 40. the insurance the settlements. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like that LAPD is getting sued or something for, <laughs> for somebody, right? But like what a bad day that is because it's whatever time in the morning, you know, probably someone yeah. having to go to work and all of a sudden this bus just buzzes by your car taking out your door, your mirrors, whatever. And you're like, you, yeah. you know, cause you couldn't work from home back in the day. That wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like, like you don't go to work, you don't get paid. So, yeah. Or you just out for a nice leisurely walk, pushing a bunch of cans in a baby stroller <laughs> a and baby stroller. The bus just runs into you. Like you can't walk anywhere. These Whoopsies. Days. <laughs> which is, cla- you know, and we do know what time of day it is. Cause he says it's eight Oh five. It needs this by 11 AM, which is something I'll get into later. But, uh, but yeah, the whole rush hour scene, I definitely, I don't know about y'all, but, when it's 8.30 in the morning, the first thing that I'm thinking about doing is taking a baby buggy full yeah. of monster cans and pushing them down the road to try to turn them into but cans. But a homeless person, right? That's just a homeless person. You know, that's that's their job is they're collecting cans, getting five cents a can from yeah. wherever they – I don't even know where you send them to now. But That was a that was an interesting twist because that's the moment where you're like, no fucking way did they do that. Yeah. Like no way. You just way see the carriage flying. You don't know. Yeah. 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 And, but it was a nice – it was one of those intense moments, right? Like yeah. And he's freaking out. Yeah, because you, you, now you put yourself in that situation. Like, nobody ever wants to – like, you don't want to get into a car accident anyway, right? The worst part of a car accident would be, like, if you hit, like, a kid or something like that, and they're like, oh, my God, like, what did I do? That's that's the situation, you know? She's like, oh, fuck. Like, I just – okay, cans, just cans. And she's like, okay, like, just, you just shit yourself, you know? And if you've ever been in a near car accident, maybe you're going and you got jam your brakes on and someone comes. For the next five minutes, like, my heart's racing. You know what I mean? You got just an intense, like, adrenaline pumping a little bit. And you're like, should I pull over just to, like, breathe? You know what I mean? But it takes a little minute. So I can only imagine something like that. Like, it's, I was yeah. feeling it when I was watching it. And, and it's kind of an action movie thing of, like, okay, if you got a bunch of people trapped in one spot where they're hostages or they're on a flying bus that's got a bomb on it. Like, what is it? It's about 20 people on the bus. And very easily, like, obviously they're going to do everything they can to save these people. But, like, you could have had casualties way beyond that just from trying to save these people by running people over and exploding things. 100%. And going off the ramp and everything. Like, it's like, we know these characters. We see them. We get attached to them. But there's also lots of other people that are just getting sideswiped and knocked out and that you don't necessarily see. In hindsight, was That's it always just, funny to me. Just let the bus blow up like yeah. the other bus. <laughs> Would have been a lower body count. Call yeah. it a day. <laughs> Less damage, less paperwork. Yeah, right? <laughs> didn't have to get that, you know, three million or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I thought there was some, uh, like you mentioned, the foreshadowing earlier with the watch. They do something similar with him when um, he keeps calling Sandra Bullock Wildcat. That Wildcat, yeah, behind like, get the that wheel. Wildcat yeah. behind the wheel, and no one picks up on it. It was a clever way to kind of trick the audience because, like, they keep saying, "Get these helicopters out of here!" Like, you know, they, he sees everything. So I thought that was nice. That, to me, that was just good good writing. Sorry, and the restricted airspace, right, when he gets to the airport because then the choppers can't go in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so he's like, really, like, I'm just going to do laps around here and get this so that they think they can't see him anymore. I found Sandra Bullock a little annoying at times when she kept yelling, Jack, Jack, 
I need your jack. It's like, uh, settle down, lady. Like, we're, you know, we're in a tense situation here. Like, I don't need your nagging She's me. She's doing her best. Come on. <laughs> you know I mean? like, She's not been trained for this. She, she's been thrust into this situation. True, true. Some behind-the-scenes stuff where Kano's uh, such a professional, right? Like, he doesn't date his co-stars or tries not to. I don't know if there's history there. But she was. she didn't know if he even liked her because he wouldn't. Like hit on her like in a lot of movies, people might start dating because they have these love scenes or right. whatever in movies. Um, so they had good chemistry in the movie. Like you can you can see it. He kept it professional. Like when the camera stopped rolling, he was like, "I'm out." Yeah, I saw something that like a couple years later, like she, uh, I don't know, on like a late night show or some interview, or something. She said that she had a crush on him then, and then he he said he did on her. But yeah, he just. He's, he's too professional, Keanu. He's good better, on him for restraint. Better right? man than most. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, and you're an idiot. <laughs> right? Like, you know, take advantage. Uh, be like Leo. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Oh, God. <laughs> Leo. <laughs> That's a different kind of problematic than the race stuff we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Malcolm, you mentioned they get to the, the airspace, right? So then they're trying to figure out their, how do you solve this, right? A couple of nitpicks towards you. I feel like this movie in general, when you get through... Some incredible scenes, as I was mentioning. I loved the carnage scene and all this stuff here, right? There's a couple of nitpicks going on here. You know, I mean, we could talk about the bus jumping. Uh, There's a lot over, of nitpicks. 50 the... feet <laughs> We, we got to reserve some time for the nitpicks, yeah. Yeah. But he gets, you know, they get in the airport. He's not even a bomb squad, but he's the only bomb squad person available to go on the uh, the little undercarriage cart. Uh, under the bus to dismantle well, the bomb. I mean, he's brave to the point of being crazy. Like Jeff Daniels' character says something to him earlier, like guts will get you so far and then they'll get you killed because he just like keeps throwing himself headlong into these situations over and over. So like he leaves the bus and it was like, oh, you're leaving us here? You're leaving us here to die? And like five minutes later, he's like, no, actually, I'm just strapping up. I'm going to be rolling under the bus to dismantle this bomb. I'm like, he, I put a note here somewhere that he might be the bravest character in movie history. Like, he doesn't care how dangerous the situation is, how bad it could be for his health or well-being. Like, he is, he's got an obligation, he thinks, to, like, save the day and stop the bad guy, and he will not let anything get in the way of that. Well, when you talk about who's the right actor to play this part, right, that's where I think Keanu actually is that guy. Yeah. Because he's almost an automaton. Right, he's so he's so adrenaline addicted, or so like mm. there's 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 only one moment, and it's an interesting moment where he kind of starts thinking or, or has a, like has a second guess, and it's after Harry dies. But the but the part about like Mac tells him one thing: there's a there's a gap in the road. Okay, this you know, like I got to get under here. I got to do this. I got to stick a freaking screwdriver in the fuel tank and hang on. You know, like he just keeps going from the next thing to the next thing. Next all problem. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next problem. In this movie, I remember thinking about this because I I never really thought about him like this, but like he's he's jacked in shape, right? You know, when when they show him like like what kind of it'd be interesting to see what he did to prepare for that because he was yeah. really he looked the part of like I am a SWAT huge dude, you yeah. know. I think what helped him in this role too, to everything you just said, he was in point break prior to this. So you see him in point break, an adrenaline junkie, if you will. So to me, it's like you're a cop over here. Like this could be a sequel to Point Break almost to be like, well, here's the experience I got from being a cop. Now he moved to L.A. and became a SWAT. Or whatever. Well, that was actually he was FBI, so maybe that would be a step down, but whatever. Same idea. I think that you, know, you, you have that vision of this is what Keanu brings to the table. So when you see him in his movies when he's an action star, you believe every part of it. I mean, I like them in The Replacements. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> when he's the quarterback, right? You know what I mean. Everything you said there, I, I agree with. I think he was he was a good fit for this. I think the only other 
person maybe in movies, maybe like a John McClane type where they feel like I have to save the day. Yeah. Like, oh, no one said to do it. Well, I'm here, so I got to do it. But this. even John McClane, I mean, I'm never putting down John McClane. He's the best. Of but course. like his wife is in the party, so he's got incentive to save. Like Keanu Jack had no ties to any of these people beforehand. Like his, his main tie was just well, how much he hates the Jump forward to uh, Die Hard 3. Like the hackers with, uh, I forget, he's picking up uh, Justin, whatever the actor's name is, and they're driving, and he's like, oh, like if someone else could do it, they'd do it. But Die Hard 4 is this? 3 is with Samuel L. That you're correct. I think it's right there. Okay, correct. I was going to say. All right, all right. <laughs> you're correct, you're correct. Die, die Another Day, I think is what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's right. So with the hackers, and it has uh, Timothy Oliphant at back. You know, yeah, that's so four, yeah. There's a scene when he picks the kid up, and they're driving to Washington or whatever, and he's like, oh, if someone else was here to do it, they'd do it, but. You know, I got to do it. But that's the mentality that Keanu kind of has is like, you know, it's like you're you're forced into this hero role because you're not going to just, well, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to go home and have some beers. Yeah, you can't Let someone else yourself. handle it. Like, no, like you're going to, until the job's done, it's time. You, and that's that mentality. It's an old school mentality of shit's got to get done. We don't take breaks until the work's done. Yeah, when Payne tests him in the start about like, there's a bomb on a bus. What do you do? And he says, I want to know what bus it is. Yeah. Or he's like, and then he, and Payne laughs at him. He's like, of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's gone, right? And and everything, he's like, I got to get on the bus, you know, and the bus driver gets shot. And, he, you know, he's like, I got to get a guy off. He's, you know, he's been shot. And he said, Jack, what are you doing shooting the hostages, you know, or <laughs> yeah. anything like that? Like, I, yeah. I thought the policeman was supposed to shoot yeah. the bad shoot guys. Shoot the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he saves the bus, right? So we'll just jump ahead to he saves the day. Now they get into the train scene, right? Which, again, you get you get the elevator scene. You think it's a bus movie. You get the elevator scene at the beginning. Moves into the bus scene. You think, okay, saves the day. This movie must be over. But they never caught the bad guy. I have a lot of problems with the train scene. Uh, only because I feel <laughs> <You> like... I think? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just feel like they, they did such a good job writing and everything for up until this point. And then you get to the end of this movie... And they were like, oh, I'm tired of writing this. Like, let's just – this is season eight of Game they of Thrones. Kind of, they kind of ran out of ideas a little bit. They really point. did. Yeah. They really did. It because- said the studio didn't want – didn't believe that the – uh, the, the audience would watch two hours of, of people on a bus. So they wanted another Break scene that – the way the movie ended. And I think that – who was it, Graham Yost or whatever, was like, all right, fine, take this crap. Because it's half-baked. It's so half-baked. Yeah, yeah. they recycle the same idea yeah. of, like, the, the train is the train track is not completed, but same as, like, the highway wasn't where they had to do the bus jump in the first place. And, like, the bus jump, like, you've got to suspend your disbelief. Like, okay, there's no way this bus could actually make it. But, okay, this is a cool action movie kind of sequence. When they recycle it for the train, it's like, I think everybody that watches the movie is like, oh, come on, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. What are you that, doing here? That bus jump scene, I would say, paved the way for every single Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the level of, like, ridiculous. You're like, okay, like, yeah. I see. Somewhere yep. a young Vin Diesel's like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> like, my career! Cracking yeah. a corona. Like, his light bulb went off. He's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep, here it is. What I didn't like about it was, this is where I think Dennis Hopper's character, like, shit the bed. And that, like, I don't mind the train scene, right? But here's this guy. He's three steps ahead of everybody the entire movie. Like, to the point where he's got a, a, a hatch under the mailbox or the trash can to get his money. Let's just say they didn't figure it out. How are you getting off that train? Right? Yeah, that's what I want to know. That The train was bound for nowhere. But he commandeered it. There was a conductor and it was full of passengers that he got off the train. He comes in guns blazing to get them off. Where was that train going? Did it miss a turn because he was on it and it would have just safely... Made it to its next station? Like, yeah, what was the plan? 
Yeah, I'm wondering that maybe the only thing I can think of, and you guys can hit me with what you think, is that he wasn't intending to be on a train. He only went on the train because Keanu caught him, which had to make him alter his plans. What I don't like about this is, like, again, he's outsmarting everybody the entire time, minus the the notice of the camera, right? He's got the girl strapped to the thing with the bomb on. He's got a machine gun. Like, you're winning at this point. The action star cop who's full of my plans every step of the way is on the roof. Let me go up there and see if I can fight him. Like... Well, just, no, you dumbass. just the fact you that know? he takes Annie hostage, like, obviously he was preparing for this isn't over. Because otherwise, yeah, he'd just take the money and slip away. That's probably what he well, should have done. Well, he sees her, right? He's in the, got the binoculars when he's looking over the mailbox area and he sees her. But wouldn't you think, even though he knows she's there, like, take the money, get out of here. Like, why are you, you going to keep incentivizing Jack to come get you? There you go. Right. I, I think Payne, who's... Uh, Hopper's character is an amazing villain, but I think if you go back, especially after seeing how things unravel for him, like he's not quite the mastermind we all kind of gave him credit for. Like the elevator scene at the beginning, what was his plan there? He wanted to get the money, but he's in this elevator. Like they're all monitoring it. They see it right when the freight elevator starts moving. So I don't know what his plan was to get out of there and get the money. He, I, I think he, he seems a little bit smarter than he actually is. Did he make any demands with the elevator scene? Yeah, he was supposed he same kind of thing like three million dollars. I think was the bus he upped it to like three point seven or 3. something. Three point seven, yeah. But yeah, he he initially his demand was three million. I think for the elevator, which is all about money that he believes is owed to him for the money do me. Yeah, the <laughs> yep. finger incident right that he had yeah. the bomb squad. Which by the way, the makeup on that is like he's got <laughs> it's this a like funky, yeah. It's like it's like huge. They sh- they make sure they show it all in the scene yeah. in the elevator, and I was like, that's just terrible. <laughs> um, talking about someone who's like, do you do your job well? Like, who's that makeup artist? Yeah, but this you know when he. He's on the train and he's he has a really uh I think a really too really a valuable narrative to Jack about this is why I win and this is why I lose and, and why you lose in the tunnel, right? And I forget exactly what he says, but that part's valuable. And then he's on the train with her when she's kind of she's hysterical by that point. And he's saying, you know, it's not because you're a woman, you know, and <laughs> it's like you know, you hold on this and it. just it gives me more time. And then all of a sudden the paint bomb is in the money and he's like, ah, screw it. I'm going to run out the back door of a 60-mile-an-hour train, climb up the side, and at 65 years old, I'm going to skedaddle my way along the top of a subway to try to get into a fight with a clearly, like, gladiator-style dude. That's a good idea. Come on, Dennis. And and he's got the trigger the whole time. This is another one of my nitpicks. So if he drops the trigger, the bomb goes off. We saw it early when he's got Harry hostage, and now, again, he's got Annie. He's got the vest strapped to her. He gets on top of the train, and he's essentially like pistol whipping Keanu with this thing. What's the mechanics? I'm not I'm not up on my bomb knowledge, but like I would think well, what does it take to set this thing off? If you just drop it and it goes off, is it not going to go off by you punching a guy in the face with it in your hand at the, the same time? The last one was a VCR that. button that he pushed, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he hit him in the jaw. I think that's going to do it. Yeah. It's highly technical. It's highly technical, Terrence. We couldn't explain it to you. You wouldn't understand. I, I definitely <laughs> I'm not, I'm not smart enough. It's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, though. As soon as the paint goes off in the money, like his character does a 180, all right, I'm done. Like time this money's die. no good to me because it's purple. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. my money. Like, did you not think? And again, that's one of those. If you think about all these heist movies, where, like, did you not think to be like, there better not be, you know, painting. Like, if you're robbing a bank, for example, you watch you watch Point Break and yeah. they're going through the drawer, and it's like, oop, that's the. It die comes pack. up a lot. Get the yeah. die pack out of there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, it exists. Like you know about it. It's just a little. I mean, we're totally nitpicking some of his thing, but this is again the writing went and just like crashed at the end. 
where I think they just they Game of Thrones did. This is season eight of Game of Thrones in this last scene. He like shit on a plate and tried to feed it to everybody and say, hey, thanks. You know, <laughs> so. well, I do like how it concludes as far as like his fight with uh, with Jack on top of the train, like just classic one liner. He He's winning the fight. He's kicking the hell out of Keanu because he kind of sn- snuck up on him. But Keanu forces his head up, gets decapitated. As we said, uh, 12-year-old, 11-year-old, us, that was that was a big scene for us. <laughs> yeah. Don't lose but your yeah, head. He's, yeah. he's like, I'm smarter than you. And he, and then Keanu gets him decapitated. He's like, yeah, well, I'm taller. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one-liner, yeah. One of, the, one of the few redeeming things about the train scene, this is one of those uh, hidden actor gems. Do you know do the you conductor? Have, do you know who the conductor Richard is? Schiff, yeah, Richard Schiff, yeah, from the West Schiff. Wing, and yeah, Toby yeah. Ziegler, one of my favorite characters in in, uh, yep. in TV history, is the is the train conductor. Yeah, and actually, I, for whatever reason, he's popping up in my life a lot lately. I'm a big video game guy, and I just finished the God of War Ragnarok game, and he plays Odin, like the Norse god Odin. And when he popped up, same thing. I was like, oh man, it's Toby from the West Wing. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen a lot of him lately. Nice. Did you sit through the credits in the game, and that's how you saw his name? No, just, I reckon. You, you well, he, he he not only does the voice, but Odin looks like him. Like he's basically just like oh, him cool. with gray hair. Yeah, nice. so I could recognize him right away. In this movie, he's he's in there for like twenty seconds, right? And it was in the credits, and I was like, Richard Schiff is yeah. in this movie, and I had to go back and find it. That's yeah. awesome. Um, he gets another, shot up immediately. Yep. Another hidden one, real deep hidden one. When they're in the bar, when they're getting wasted after the elevator scene, one of the guys standing next to Mac, who's clearly a police officer, is Josh Charles. Do you know who Josh Charles is? Oh, from like Sports Night and from uh, Sports Night, yeah, and from The Good Wife, and he's uh, he's the crooked cop in Four Brothers, which is a great movie too. Yeah, um, and We Own the City. He was in. If you saw that, yeah, one. John Berthold. Yeah, he's in yeah. a lot of things. He's good. Yeah, yeah he's. But he's I didn't dark, recognize. Right? I didn't know he was in that. He, like it's just like a flash. But it, huh. when you think about like those guys' career twenty years down the line, when you start seeing people pop up in these, you know. Oh, this is how you got started because you needed yeah. to act. So I love Four Brothers. So you're talking about Fowler and Four Fowler, Brothers. Fowler, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, he's in a couple. He was in um, Don't Tell. Uh, Don't Tell Mom the, the, the Babysitter's Dead. Babysitter that's yeah, right. He was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he was trying to date Christina. Christina Ap- Applegate. Applegate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's him. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice him in there. That's cool. That's a yeah. good tidbit. Yeah. All right, look, look at you earning your money today, man. Good job. <laughs> good job. <laughs> oh, let's move on to some categories. Then we've gone through the movie a little bit. I think there's a lot of nitpicks in this. You know, most of them towards the end, I think we'll agree. But uh, are there any, like, I guess, unanswered questions that you guys had? Like, anything that – I don't want to say nitpicks in this, but uh, I don't know. Something that didn't that didn't really complete? Or oh, they... I, got, I got loads. Yeah. <laughs> Start us off, right. Malcolm. Hit us up. One, just for a laugh, but does Jack still have time left on his shift when the movie ends? Because it's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> and like, that, that he wanted all this stuff done by 11 o'clock, and it's just like, hey, did Jack get lunch? Did Jack go to the bathroom? Like, yeah, you know? it's true. It's true. Like being flung and around And knowing him, he probably wouldn't have just taken the rest of the day off. Either. Yeah. He'd feel compelled to he work. He never ate his muffin at the beginning, like so he never got his breakfast. Yeah. Again, he's hung over essentially the whole time. I'm, I'm going to need like – you know, a bacon, egg, and cheese at some point throughout the yeah. day when that's going on. <laughs> right, <laughs> Mac. I need a, I need a bomb squad. I need this, and uh, I'm gonna need a, you know, a number three from McDonald's <laughs> with a black coffee. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think one of my more crucial ones, and I remember thinking this when I was ten, which is a sign, right? When you're a dumb kid, <laughs> if you're picking you're... up on it, then yeah. <laughs> the night before, Harry's on it. Harry's got a cane, limping through an awards ceremony, getting a medal for the elevator scene. And then he's at work the next day, which, like, is one thing, but he got shot in the leg, right? And then he's suiting up at a bomb squad? 
True. Like what kind yeah. of dis? Like you're on short term disability, bro. You're not here. That's <laughs> yeah. true. You know? You're like, not doing field work. <laughs> yeah, for a you couple took one months. in the leg. <laughs> you know, not well, here. Well, one of my problems I had was how come Harry was the only bomb squad in LA, right? So that's you know again we talked about Keanu like having to go under the bus to try to do this. Like he's not the most qualified for that. He's just yeah. Harry's talking him through it. Right. He's like right. So is Harry the only, like so Harry dies like oh well LA is now without a bomb squad. You know, we're going to go in Indeed, and we're going yeah. to hiring The hiring job posting's squad. going yeah. up the next yeah. day, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a high turnover rate on the bomb squad, you know. But there's going to be more people on SWAT or wherever they bring in. Maybe at this point, the National Guard's coming in, perhaps, right? Crucially, though, because it is Harry, because Jack has to go under the car, we get maybe the best quote of the whole movie, though, right? The, or the whole interpretation of a quote. When he's looking around, he's down there in the access panel. Fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get Alan Ruck on the phone going, Oh darn. <laughs> oh darn. Yep. <laughs> Perfect nice. delivery. How many times did I say that as a kid, right? When I see something like, Fuck me. It's in a movie, Mom. I can say it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think that was, um, not to correct you, I think that was when he first notices the bomb. Yeah. When he's under yeah. that. Not, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's when you said Alan Rock's holding the phone, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I've got a big nitpick for you guys. This movie takes place in Los Angeles in rush hour, the beginning of a weekday. How is there not so much traffic that this bus just can't possibly go? Like the fact that it can sustain 50 miles an hour in like downtown L.A. traffic is just, I don't know what it was like in 94. Pretty sure L.A. was still a big city, major right. metropolis <laughs> then. Yep. I can't imagine that bus ever had the freedom to... To go, or it could hit the amount of stuff that it does, and and remain above <laughs> you know, fifty miles an you, hour. You've yeah. you been on a city bus. You know how slow those things are. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the things I read was that Jan de Bont wanted the. It was originally going to be that they wanted to be 20, twenty miles an hour, and he wanted the title to be minimum speed. Yes, <laughs> two things. Yeah. Would you have watched this movie? If no, the bus can't go more than twenty, and this bus just crawling along. Yeah. That, that would have been awful. Like just terrible. Yeah, that's funny. Another nitpick. So. He puts the bomb on the bus, uh, Payne, and he, he's got Jack on the payphone. How, what's his expectation of getting his money and how this is going to work out? Like, you see what Jack has to do just to get on the bus to try to insert himself into this situation and stop this thing. Obviously, got over 50 miles an hour by that point. If Jack wasn't like an Olympic decathlete, he never would have made it, and they would have dropped under 50 30 seconds later, and it would have blown up, and Payne gets no money again. So it's kind of a half-baked idea, I thought, to put the bomb on the bus. It activates when it gets over 50. And how is it going to stay above 50, like, to where he's going to get his money? It just that, that was one of my biggest nitpicks. Like, that didn't make a whole lot of mm. sense to me. And conveniently, he, he knows where Jack gets his breakfast in the morning. Yeah, like, he's so you have to study that, that a little bit to the point you say, okay, here's this pay phone next to this, you know, Rise Donuts or wherever he's He knows at. he's going to pick up you know? the phone. Right. So the bomb just goes off. There's, he's, like, looking at his dead friend, and all of a sudden the phone's ringing, and Jack's like, Oh, let me let me check out the payphone that's ringing. Like, how how often do payphones ring? I I don't know. I mean, maybe just in Die Hard, just to put the <laughs> things together. But there you go. They just tie it yeah. up. And but. the poor bus driver just forgotten. He got blown to a crisp, like in the the bus that he set off in the first the first place. bus. Yeah, that was a kick ass. Yeah, I thought poor that one out. Yeah. Awesome. That guy. <laughs> yeah. But again, it keeps you hooked, right? Yeah, because that was the beginning of all this intense stuff. You go from the elevator scene to maybe a little, you know, the rewards or whatever. But then, yeah, then it dies right into it. I love all scenes with Keanu, like like when he's running, like just good good act. That that's what Keanu's really good at is yeah. those action type sequences. He turns and makes a good face when he sees the phone, because 
and and this is like remember that we're you know millennials, Gen Xers, right, carrying cell phones in our pockets because that phone would have rang, or or like he he had to know like he it clicked for him a little bit of like oh it's this dude or yeah. it's, it's something you know yeah but that that it went back and did that but still still weird to know like there's no satellite tracking how do you know Jack is at you know Santa Monica Quebec you didn't meet him until you know a week earlier whenever you did the elevator thing so yeah I want to see like a like a spoof of this movie where he picks it up and it's like. You know, Simon says you must do this. Like, like, yeah. like the, the spoof of this movie is Speed Two. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I've actually, uh, you guys, have you seen Speed Two? I, I've never watched it because I've just always heard it's the worst movie in existence, and I'm like, it's. I awful. don't want to taint my memory of the original by right. watching this thing. So I've never seen it, and I so, never plan to. So Keanu, while we're on Speed Two, then, so he turned it down obviously because he didn't like the script. Yeah. He was actually like blacklisted from 20th Century Fox for like 10 years because he turned it down. It was like what three or four million they were going to pay him. And he was like, no, nah, I didn't really like the script. And he went on and did. He toured with his band a little bit, did some Broadway. Like he didn't do a he ton of stuff. Him? Yeah. That's insane. Um, just from that particular studio, at least, because they were pissed. They were like, hey, I want this to do this movie. It made me think of I don't know if you ever watch Entourage. But when uh, Vincent Chase did Aquaman and then he didn't want to do Aquaman 2, yeah. same idea. I was picturing. And like, Jeremy Piven says, do you know what ruins your career? Not making a bad movie. Passing on a hit. Right. Is what he says in that. Yep. Yeah. Like in there is the that same sort of bit. They note about that. Jason Patrick, who plays the guy in that, never seen him in anything else. Right. Yeah. Like not very good. He's like 5'7". You know, <laughs> like it doesn't uh, quite fit. Sleepers. Sleepers he was really oh, good. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Sandra Bullock made $600,000 for speed movie gross 350 million. She made 600,000 bucks. What a deal. She made 11 million for speed. Two. <laughs> I mean, cash that, grab. That, that yeah. Point, that, right? that was just cash in the check late. The yep. money that was yeah. owed for her. Yeah. yeah but that's why I think the Keanu like blew it because they, and, and where the, where you can see the studios being like, Oh, Hey, you know, what's easy titles. Let's hit a title again. And make the movie a second time, even if it's actually pretty lazy, and we're not going to do this. And the actor that, says, "No." Thanks. That's how politicians get reelected for another term. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's oh, it's the name you know. I want to say I've probably seen Speed Two. I have not seen it more than once, and it's not my intention. I wonder if anybody's seen it more than once. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> who would go back? That's the question. If you're listening and you've seen Speed Two more than once, you win, <laughs> you, well, or or you don't win. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Evaluate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> get off the ledge, please. <laughs> We talked about if we think movies like like actors peaked in these movies. Say like when you think of an actor or an actress, what's the first movie you think of? Is this this isn't the first one you think of with Keanu Reeves? I, I think we agree. Like it's a good movie. Yeah, I think John Wick has overtaken that form, and even the Matrix overtook it before that. I mean, the fact that there's three Matrix movies, four John Wick movies, he just gets him more entrenched in your mind because they've been such a successful franchise. But yeah, I think Speed would be third on my list for Keanu. What do you think, Malcolm? This is it's. I think this is says about like how old I was and everything else. But this is the movie I think of him in. Yeah, it's not his okay. best movie. It's not. Um, it's not his. I think I'm against the other people, right? But my mindset as a as a as a kid and then a, like a teenager when the Matrix came out, you know, just like how you know the bands and the commercials and all that kind mm. of stuff better in that time where you have yeah. nothing to do but watch TV. You know, I think I think of him in Speed. And I think of him in The Matrix as those kind of two places. You know, and okay. and probably John Wick is where he's actually the best, the highest version of himself. But yeah, I, I do think about him 
underneath the bus and you know doing yeah. all this stuff. That's that's the my, that's the picture that I get. Point Break for me with him. Nice. You know, Point Break's the one that I've seen that movie more times than I can count. I just love him in that movie. That's just a good good flick. Johnny Utah can't beat yeah. it. You know? I think, and I'm thinking about it a little more. I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say Matrix for me over okay. John Wick. It's okay. close, but I think I go Matrix. Neo and that whole thing. I was in high school when the first one came out, and like you say, kind of what you see like in your formative years, like that's kind of what sticks with you. Yes, and Speed right. was, but but I think Matrix maybe overtook it a little. And you far. know what's interesting is like the Matrix comes out what in like ninety nine, two thousand, something like that, yeah. right? And that was that point in time where everything like is all unreality. So the Matrix, Fight Club. Yeah. Um, mm. What are the movies that? Uh, who's the Who's the director who did the Sixth Sense? Like all those kind of movies. Oh, that, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like all of these kind of places where, like, if you were if you were engrossed in movie going and before the internet, which was what I was, right, or like really before all this stuff was available on Netflix, you were all taken by the way that that, that all that stuff spun you yeah, around. Big time like, twist. What's and, real? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. because Fight Club is very much similar to one of those movies that that like five years later when I'm 15, 16, you know, that's the, well, those that was are the, where I was the, the good twist, right? Like at the end, you're just yeah. like, oh, like you see dead people or, oh, you're the same guy the whole time or yeah. whatever it is. I love it. You know, oh, you're Kaiser Soze. Like, what do you mean? Like, so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so Sandra Bullock, I think this was her breakout role. Is this who you think of? I, think I said this earlier. Is, this is my yeah. role for her. Yeah. If this, I think okay. Sandra Bullock, I'm thinking Annie from Speed. Okay. Even I think of while you were sleeping. Stuff. Okay. I was, I'm more of a uh, blind side, blind side guy. Yeah. Sorry. Jeff Daniels, I think maybe not for him, right? Dumb and Dumber is probably the one that is more memorable. But Yeah. Newsroom was big too. That was, that was a great part. Okay. But yeah, probably Dumb and Dumber. I, I like like we said how versatile he is, but it if I gotta pick one, I think I think of him more on the comedy side. Like Dumb and Dumber was just so out there and so like going for it with that part. That, more quotable. Yeah. Know? I mean that's that's what it comes down to for me sometimes. Is yeah. Dennis Hopper. You think this was his not his best role, his best role? But what you think of with him? Uh it's this in Hoosiers for me. Yeah. Okay. I love him in Hoosiers. He plays like the the assistant coach, the kind of drunken dad, he's, it's a great part. True Romance is great. He's got like kind of the one or two scenes in it. That's the one for but, me, it's True Romance. Yeah, those those are my, my three. I've seen him in a few more movies. He was in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. If, uh, you know you haven't seen that, Mark. <laughs> You're not a horror guy. Um, but he's been a lot of things. Waterworld, yes, is, is a big one. Yeah. But I, I, I might go with this. I don't know. It's, it's a great villain. He plays okay. a great villain. I see him as that deranged older guy, right? Yeah. So, and just because of where you know where he came up and more before my time and everything, but him really playing that role of like kind of off the off the radar, a bit crazy, but but also prepared, right? Like like he, I think he does sociopath pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. So, as far as your favorite scene goes, um, I know we talked about a lot of things. We've probably already talked about what we think our favorite scenes are, but. Pick one spot where you said this was the best sequence of the movie that you enjoyed. It, it's you have to suspend your disbelief, right? But when he's when he goes on the little slidey thing, whatever they want to call it, when he's trying to dismantle the bomb underneath, and then yeah, um, oil change uh, wheelie yeah, cart. Yeah, the oil yeah. change wheelie <laughs> cart. Yeah, highly technical. Yep. Um, <laughs> and he gets um, and then he they they drive over like a tire or something, and so he slips off. And then he has to hang on to the bottom and he's got the screwdriver yeah. and the fuel can. And then um, Carlos Carrasco is the guy who plays Ortiz, who I, is one of my favorite Gigantor. characters. Gigantor. Gigantor, yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and conveniently, he's there, right? So he sticks down. 
um, and they and they hold his legs from the back and they're pulling him out and everything. And I just thought that scene was for some reason was was cool. That's always the one that sticks through my head because I okay. like this other guy. You know, maybe maybe I needed another like um, teamwork kind of guy. It's a hero. It's a hero moment yeah. for Ortiz where he's like, yeah. "I got you." Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Okay. That would be my pick too. I know a lot of people say the bus jumping scene, but well, that's that, boring. You know. Well, no, I, I, maybe a little bit, yeah. But that scene's just so intense because, like, you're like, how is he going to hang on? Like, you can see the muscle straining in his arms. He's he's grunting, and like, you can tell what a strain it is on him to actually hold himself up. And I mean, everything leading up to that, like that that I consider it the same scene where like he leaves the bus. He he tells Payne he's got to get off the bus. So he does, so he can help him get his money. But really, he's plotting on how to disarm this thing. Yep. And he's back five minutes later. They got him. They put him under with the cable. Cable snaps. The tires are flapping off. Like That's just such a perfect action scene. A, a, a nitpick on that is that they show the cable spinning out. They, they show the two guys, like I think it's Mac and Norwood, who are standing on the yeah the tow truck, the tow truck, right? Yeah. And they're clearly seeing that this is about to fall off, and they're just like statues. Like they, <laughs> like they must have been shot one day when they were like just supposed to be standing there without having to be told anything to do, because there's no like sense of oh Jack's about to get killed <laughs> yeah. being driven under the bus. Do we clamp this or something? Yeah, like you got a pair of pliers. We yeah, can at least grab like, the cable. And they're like, oh, well, that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jack's colleagues, we could get into that too. Like the whole scene, we didn't talk a little much about Helen, the one that tries to jump off the bus. But like Jack explicitly tells him, if we take anybody off the bus, he's going to blow it. Yeah, I don't know how so he can see it, but he can see it and he's going to know and he's going to, everybody's going to die if we try to get anybody off. They all hear him. They're all right there outside the bus on that, that yeah. flatbed thing. Give me your hand, lady. And, come and on, then, yeah, Helen's you. like, oh, you know what? I got to go for this. And they're like, yeah, come on. We got you. We got you. It's like, what's oh, the yeah, matter the with you? Oh, yeah, the SWAT guy's like, yeah. dude, <laughs> you heard him. You <laughs> yeah. cannot get off the bus. He's going to blow the bus. Yeah, no yeah. repercussions so, from that. But, Mark, go back. What, what's uh, what's your favorite scene? Uh, I like right I mean, from the beginning good. with the uh, elevator scene when they discover that he's in the freight elevator. And then they come down and they, they kind of zip line down there a little bit. I like that because it really sets the stage of how – kind of how smart these guys are. You yeah. Know, it's Keanu figures it out. Like, and he's just like, hmm, okay. And they're trying to figure it out. So I just, I like that because it's that sequence along with uh, just before that when he grabs the crane. Yeah, you try, see how like, resourceful he is there too. That's a good that's word fake. for it actually. That's perfect. So you see what he's about and that sets the stage for anything else that you guys are talking about. You say, okay, he's, he's the guy that gets things done. He's not taking a shift off, you know, and you see that from the beginning. Yeah. So. The movie jumps out to that, and I'm like, okay, like I'm hooked on this guy now yeah. because you see what he can do. And I like too that you get that they've already clashed, they've already gone against each other once, mm-hmm. so it kind of heightens the stakes for everything to come with the bus and then the train. Yeah, like because a lot of times in action movie, like the main plot, whatever, holding hostages or some kind of standoff, it just happens, and then that's yeah. the main thing. It's kind of just one big thing. I like that you kind of got a glimpse of it. They went toe to toe, and now they're going at it again with raised stakes. Yep. Yeah, a bit of a trope that it's uh, that it's the gut or the the, uh, the police officer who trusts his gut over his orders, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, yeah. But that's a '90s thing. Yeah, you know, that's the Stallone staple. That's an you always I mean? thing. I, that, I don't know if that's even gone away yet. It's that's like, true. Yeah, too. rogue yeah. officer. Maybe Clint Eastwood yeah. started that. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's my gut feeling, man. As far as favorite quotes go in this, I think the famous one's probably going to be the pop quiz hot shot. But is there another one that you guys liked? I mean, I've said a couple of mine, right? The the fuck me part is great, and then uh, the part the part that I think about um, when Norwood's telling him about the the gap in the road, 
And he's like, it's it's finished on the map. It's on the map. And he says, well, they, they must have fell behind. He just goes, everybody's fired. You're all fucking fired. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I was like, that's, but, a, that's a supervisor reaction that yeah, I think I would have. <laughs> but but that also shows the same kind of um, ignorance or whatever that these SWAT team has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're supposed to have the most, like, if anyone has the most up-to-date yeah, technology information, like, you're it. For me, we didn't mention this one yet, but when uh, the first bus blows up, when Jack is having lunch and the payphone and all that, and he picks up and he's speaking to Payne. And he goes, what do you think, Jack? You think if you pick up all the bus driver's teeth, they'll give you another medal? I was oh, like, that line. Oh, that's <laughs> a good line. Okay. Cameron Fry, when they get to the airport. And he's like, <laughs> we're at the airport. I've already seen the airport. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just, that's the unintentional humor in there. I, I like that a lot. Because I'm like, it was, good, it was a good moment for him as a character. Yeah. Because otherwise, he's just kind of this goofy guy that's in there like he's he has a good role but i like that it's a little overplayed when they talk about the you know basin relationships and high intensity moments oh yeah yeah. Like, yeah that line but at the end when she says well we better base it on sex then yeah. i was like <laughs> you know we're well, glad that you wrapped the story and, up and he says yeah. yes ma'am right he goes back yeah. to yep. the respectful call and everybody's like yes ma'am whatever yep. you say if they rolled at the end of the credits nine hours later <laughs> that'd be funny <laughs> I think as far as a better title for this, I mean, you mentioned that it was supposed to be called Minimal Speed or whatever. Minimal Speed um, be the worst title in awful. history. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I couldn't think of another title. I think would be good. I was first. I was like, what about just like the bus? But it's not just about a bus. It's about other stuff. So speed's great. It just cuts right to it. It's easy. Put it up on the marquee. High adrenaline. Yeah. Right in that one word. We like the title then. Cool. I, we've yet to find a movie, Mark, where we've wanted to change the title to anything. I think. I, think, I think Shawshank, I would change the title, to be honest with you. That's right. You, you I were... think I would just call that like Andy Dufresne or just Dufresne. But I, like, I'm okay with what it is. But is. I'm easy to please. Every movie we've got over, I'm like, yep, I love that title. Well, <laughs> love that movie. Keep it. <laughs> what if they did a Speed 3 with Keanu and it's kind of ignored Speed 2 a little bit? Like They could bring him back as, as Jack. And still do something, but I hope they don't. I'm not pitching well, anything. I hadn't but. really thought about that, but I'm kind of getting into it now that you mentioned. Like we've got some of these like legacy sequels, like they had Karate Kid, and then they did Cobra Kai, and it picks up. It's like 25 years later. Where are they now? And it's really good, and it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I'm assuming Sandra Bullock does not die in Speed Two. That uh, am I correct in saying that? Got to be right. Me. There's <laughs> no way they could have killed her off. But if, if they somehow pick up now, where you got Jack and Annie, and it's 30 years later. They get into some other crazy situation. Like obviously Hopper Hopper himself, the actual man, the actor is has passed away. But his character also, as we know, I don't know, some some tie in. He's like, got a kid. He's got a son or, or a something. grandson or something. It's it's yeah. Jack and Annie's young LAPD uh, yeah, yeah. son, you know, who yeah. or, or daughter, you know, who's uh who's the climbing up the ranks and does this, yeah. 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 But but still have, give me Jack and Annie. Get them back together <laughs> somehow. Like I know uh Keanu and Sandra Bullock, they did a movie, I haven't seen it, called The Lake House, that I think was more of like a dramatic, like sort of romantic movie. But uh, okay. So they did work together again after this, but I would definitely be down for get them back together for another installment. More Jack but, and but you, you okay. got to write it well. You can't have something where Keanu's going to see the script and get blacklisted again okay. for turning it down. <laughs> it's got to be good. But yeah, nice. I'd be down if done right. I think that could be cool. I didn't notice any music in this. That stood out to me. I mean, it has like... The, oh, the music's great. What are well, you talking about? Well, well, I guess what I'm, when, I, when I'm talking about music, I'm talking about actual songs, right? Oh, okay. Like, like the, the needle the, drops the scene or whatever. setting stuff is, is great. You're right. Dun, dun, it, dun, it, dun, it, dun, yeah, dun. yeah, that's like the, the official score is, is was good. Because like, it's it keeps things Oscar. intense. Yeah, really? yeah, the score won the... They won an Oscar for, uh, for best... 
best sound or best soundtrack. In the wow, okay, it's I didn't know best that. Best soundtrack, but but best score, I think, is what. As far as like something like this, I would expect to see. And if you take who's a band from the '90s, that would have been maybe some kind of grunge music playing in the background or something as the bus is jamming in the stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, give me some Chris yeah. Cornell. Yeah, there's some Temple of the Dog in there. Like jamming <laughs> through them bones or something as he's banging in the cars. Like, things like that to me make a movie pop and you don't see enough of yeah, that. Yeah, I can't think there. of anything standing out like that. I know no. the, the post-credits or, or this, the song that plays during the credits, I never really paid attention to before. Um, but seeing as I was trying to like be a little more meticulous watching it this time to prepare for this, um, it's a Billy Idol song, and I think it's just called Speed, and it was written for this movie. So yeah. it's like huh. its own thing, just for that, and I'd never really even paid attention to it before. Okay, nice. So that was interesting. But yeah, they they, they didn't do a whole lot with the music I, I outside love, I'm of I'm a big fan of when movies score. have soundtracks, and the last good one was probably from Transformers when Linkin Park did a couple of, you know, no, a couple of Nothing good since then? When did that? That was a while ago, man. <laughs> Uh, that was in two thousands, yeah, with the Transformers. But I mean, but things like that. Even, the past um, two decades haven't done it. For even, me. <laughs> but even Avengers did it right when the first Avengers came out. They had Cornell came back. Like you brought it up, made me think of it. Uh, he came back to Soundgarden and they did a song for that. But then no other Marvel movie has like an official soundtrack huh, yeah. song. So, but they made that song for the movie, and I'm like, oh, this is good. They should, hopefully they do this because when I hear that song, when I hear the Linkin Park songs, I think of those movies. Yeah, I like so, when they do that, where they write a song just for the movie. Yeah, they bring in a yeah. big band, and they write something just for that. But Terminator 2, Guns N' Roses had, they gave them the song, You Could Be Mine. They had the song anyway on the yeah. Usual Illusions uh, dual CD, whatever. But I hear that song on the radio, and I'm just picturing the Mack truck jumping yeah. over the bridge <laughs> in the aqueduct, chasing them. You know, But that's what I think of, because at the time, there were music videos. So to me, that's what I like about movies, that I could be you know, in the minimal people here that think this way but mm. when i hear that song i'm like i'm like oh i'm gonna watch that movie again aerosmith and armageddon yeah oh there, yeah there you go yeah. right i mean that's, that's a great example it's a great example because that's exactly what you think of so we talked a lot about some of the nitpicks did we, did we miss any i think i got a couple that i want to go through uh one we talked about was him the only one disarming a bomb like there's got to be another person yeah there. um i don't like how dennis hopper decides like i'm gonna climb on this train and i'm just gonna Stop pistol whipping him with my, you know, with this thing here. Like, I could take him. Like, I'm I'm a retired cop. Like, who's going to stop me? You know, that stuff really, that really bugged me. Yeah, he loses his mind. And, and that reminds me of uh, a quote I didn't mention. The whole, uh, the whim of a madman. I like that with the, the newscast <laughs> calls yeah. that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, did we miss any little other things? I know we captured a lot of the, the nitpicks in there, but. There were a couple of little hidden, um, hidden things that I thought were, one is kind of obvious and one's not. So the kind of obvious one, it also sort of bugs me. The last scene when the train is coming up and the, he's running through all this stuff and it goes over ground, right? It goes through a sign that says 203 working days without an accident. And then the train goes <laughs> I love through. it. I love it. And then it ends in the most awful way because there's a shoreline van or like a like a, like a a um, tour van that pulls up and the guy's like, what and like he's he's not surprised he's not in shock yeah he's like they're all like taking pictures there's absolutely no <laughs> just another um, day in la you know? there's like no fire there's like the just the the train just shows up on the street like it was parked there like there's nothing like <laughs> yeah. no, no debris and i'm like this is ridiculous i love it but the better one is um they show a shot of the bus in the airport at one point like from like what would be a drone or from a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And on the you know how buses sell ads on the side of the bus? Yeah. This one is actually on the front of the bus and it says it's for a bank. And it says money isn't everything. And then in quotes it says, Yeah, right. 
Oh man, and I was I like, oh, that. that's I good. I love it. I did have one more though. Now that you just reminded me of that when they're in the airport, so they finally get off the bus. And this thing plows into a cargo plane, right? So this plane's being moved, oh, by the yeah, way, right? So there's a dude element. driving the plane tower, whatever that machine's called. <laughs> and you got this bomb that supposedly is going to blow up a whole city block, right? Takes it out. Was was there no pilots in the plane? Because they're dead. There's got to be somebody dead for the, me, only, yeah. the only person they showed that I noticed was the guy driving the truck afterwards. You see him after everything blows up. He gets out. He's like, oh, no. And he starts running away. Like, yeah. suddenly he didn't get affected by this bomb that blew up, you know, 10 feet. From it him. hits the biggest possible thing in L.A. Like, yeah. they drive it into a cargo. But I, I wrote in my notes, like, yeah, right. You know, exactly. <laughs> like, of course, exactly. it's going to hit this. And the guy's fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's not worse for the wear. You know, <laughs> no <Yeah>. whiplash. <laughs> no, right. Yep. Yep. No trauma there. That's for sure. Two other sections here. So I mentioned earlier how I just found a few Keanu facts. And I wanted to just kind of. Like, you can see if you guys found some of this stuff out. Because I, I love Keanu as a person, right? Despite my... If you I, say anything bad about his acting again, Mark, we're going no, at it. <laughs> no, I'm, do, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Uh, so he grew up from kind of a, a mixed family or whatever. So he's a, he's a Canadian citizen. You, you may have realized that. But just some Easter egg facts. So he was uh, used to get babysat by Alice Cooper. So his, what? Mo- his mom was in the music industry. Like, she did uh, costumes for musicians. And I guess Alice Cooper used to hang out. So he used to babysit him, which is cool. Could there be a worse choice? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe now. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd say he turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> he turned out okay. But he out. didn't have a father. Like his father left when they were like three. And then. When school's out, Alice Cooper came on. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> so his, if you looked up the name Keanu, it means uh, cool breeze over the mountains. It's a Sounds Hawaiian. about right. Yep. So there's that. Uh, his actual first movie was he was the goalie in Youngblood. Oh, wow. I don't know if he's okay. credited in that or not, but if you go watch, you know, Young Blood, Patrick Swayze, and, yeah, uh, Rob Lowe, he's a hockey player too. He played in high school. Yeah, something about it. Yeah, he yeah. said he's Canadian already, Malcolm. We know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be disappointed if he didn't play hockey, right? So when he moved to L.A. too, he um, he almost changed his name because people couldn't pronounce Keanu. Yeah, and he just said, you know what? I'm just going to be me and go. And I'm, I'm glad he stuck with that. You know, he's in a band. He plays bass and Dog Stars. The name of the band he plays. Uh, I guess Weezer used to open for them, and then when they stopped playing, so he, you know, Weezer. Weezer opened for Keanu's band. Yeah, back in the back in what the day, the world, so Weezer wow. started. So if you know the band Weezer, there you go. Man, if you are a hipster, you are onto that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, he loves motorcycles, so he owns a company called Arch Motorcycles. They do like custom designs and stuff. So he still is an owner there. Um, so this was the one I thought was really cool. So in 2011. In Scotland, they do a KianoCon. Uh, this one it started. Maybe it was 2018, but it's one of those things. So they do it every year where they do Keanu movies and they kind of do spoof of Wild Stallions from the Bill and Ted's. <laughs> like awesome. they do music from there. I don't know if it's still happening. We'll have to look it up. But at one point, they would just do that for a couple of days and play a bunch of Keanu movies and have this big like kind of tribute to him. I think that's pretty cool. Sounds like a good time. You know, in um, Speed, to circle back to this one, they didn't want him doing his own stunts. So he practiced his stunts in private. So when they were filming, he was like, I got it. And then he would just do it. I read that the one where he jumps onto the bus in the first place, like they were like, no, you're not doing that. And he was practicing on his own. Yeah. And then just did it when the the time came. Yep. And now he's he's known for that. He's known for doing his own stunts because, you know, because he's great. How does one practice jumping onto a bus? Well, great question. (laughs) We'll ask him that when we do speed two. (laughs) (laughs) He's played uh, a character named John eight times. So if you wow. go back and look at his character list, like you can see John or Johnny or, you know, some form of that. 
And I don't know if John Wick counts as four of those. I think that might just be one character. And he speaks French, German, and Italian. That's how smart he is. Mm. Renaissance man, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, And there's a lot more than that, but uh, I just wanted to highlight some that I I found interesting, and I wanted to share those with you guys. He's the best. I mean, he's got all those stories about, like, giving money. I know with the Matrix movies, he gave, like, uh, I don't know if it was all his salary or close to all his salary to, like, the special effects guys and the guys on the on the, like all you hear are stories about like he, he's giving Rolex to stuntman. He gives him uh, mo- there was one movie I don't know if it was Matrix, but he gave him each a Harley Davidson. Uh, yeah, he's come out and said he doesn't he has enough money to live off of for the next couple of generations, so he doesn't care. He's yeah. not you know I mean he'll he'll take the money of course, but he's generous. Just a good guy, out. Keanu. Yeah. If you listen to this and you want to hang out, we're just give us a call. We're yep. here. <laughs> you want to send a couple bucks this way? I'll uh, yeah. <laughs> put my address in the show notes. We'll bring the donuts. You know, you you hang. You know. So the what, what I want to introduce on this show, and Malcolm, I'm gonna you're gonna help us uh, figure this out. Basically, on Dennis Hopper's character, I want to see where we rate him as a villain, right? So there's a lot of movies. Every movie has some sort of antagonist, some sort of villain. So I'm trying to figure out this villain scale. And I haven't knocked it out yet, so I reserve the right to change the rules here uh, <laughs> in future podcasts, right? If I had to rate him on a scale of 1 to 10, in my mind, I'm going 7. And I'm going to give you some criteria that you guys can think about here and see what you think of this, right? The math's not going to add up, so don't don't get me on the math. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you now, it's not going to work out. A couple of pointers for a good villain. What's their motivation? In this case, he's a cop. He wants his money. Blew up his thumb or pinky or whatever, right? So... He wants retribution. Is he the smartest guy in the room at all times? Like, is he a step ahead of everybody? For this particular villain, he is mostly. And then he has a couple of faux pas where you're like, all right, you you had max points and then you <laughs> lost it. You know what I mean? Because you got outsmarted at some point, right? Which is fine. As a villain, you have to have some sort of special skill. In this case, he's a he's a bomb expert, right? So you're like, that's a skill. You know, it's got an encyclopedic knowledge of bombs. That's what we find. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, he, and he's clever with the gold watch as the trigger. So, you know, he's clever. You know, you got to be willing to kill people. And you find that out, as Malcolm will point out, with the screwdriver to the temple right from the beginning. So, like, he's, he's not afraid to kill, which is good. You get people that maybe uh, won't kill anybody, like the, the threat of violence, maybe from Ed Harris from The Rock. Like, yeah. I'm going to kill mm-hmm. you, but then I'm, no, I'm not really going to do it. You know, this guy, he's blowing up buses and smashing elevator shafts or whatever. Are they going to get away with it? Like, would they have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the hero? And again, he lost points with the train sequence because what was your end game off the train? Like, you had a plan up until you took the money out of the trash can and the ground. Yeah. You got away with it. Like, what are you doing? And then he stops and kidnaps the girl. He didn't have to do that. That cost him time. But he probably could have just disappeared into oblivion and would have been gone. He lost points and he lost his head. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. Is the character like a menacing character? Like, do you fear him just by talking to him? And kind of, because he's kind of got that crazy cackle when he's got Jeff um, yeah. uh, you know, hostage or whatever, right? You know, he gets points for that. For movie purposes, is he entertaining? In this case, he is. Definitely know. full points for that. Yeah. Is he a worthy opponent of the hero? Partial points. Like, he's not a worthy, like, physical specimen, but uh, he, he maybe. He pretty much wins that fight they have. I think he gets full points for that one, or close to it at least. Who wins the fight? I mean, obviously he loses because he loses his head, but he's kicking the hell out of Keanu before that. I don't know. Like, you're talking about a 60... 60- I, I, I know, It's such again. a movie move, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you know he's going to die, so he's going to get his shots in before exactly. he dies. It's like yeah. wrestling. Like, yeah. you can't just pin him right away. Well, it's like you find any movie where The Rock's in. 
nobody's punching the rock. Right, so when you find well, he's movie, got clauses in his contract. Like I remember, well, you talked about Fast and Furious. Vin like, Diesel does, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you make a movie now, unless you're Jason Statham, you're not getting any shots. In. You know what I mean? Like you can't have a villain opposite The Rock and expect it to be, you know, like he's not going to lose the battle. You're going to put ten guys on him. Maybe you get him if you get aluminum bats, right? But whatever. In this case, not a match for Keanu, in my opinion. Like physical, physically, no. Mentally, yes. Right. And then the last thing I was thinking about was like, how obsessive is he about his cause? Are you willing to go the full, the full ride? I'm not sure about that last one. I'm trying to figure it out. But anyway, based on that, I don't have a number for each one of these things. But I'm, I'm voting him at a seven. And I guess I wanted to see where you guys feel he fits. And at this point, I don't want to compare him to other villains in movies. But in your head, I want you to think about it and say, well, he's not a Thanos. I mean, Thanos has a lot of cool features where he's doing a lot of good things, evil, evilly good things, right? I don't know what you, what's your what's your first thoughts? What's your gut shot of here? Just what do I rate him like scale of one to ten? I'd probably go like an eight. I'd say, yeah, he's a great villain. He's I love a villain that's got good one liners. Um okay. I like when they've got a, that element of crazy to him. Like, yes, he's very intelligent, but also he's got that psycho streak to him. And yeah, like you spend a lot of time with him. Sometimes the villains you're seeing everything from the hero's perspective. In this one, you get a lot of time with Hopper where he's He's watching the surveillance. He's checking him. He's got the initial scene with the elevator. Like, he's he's a major part of it. He's not just like, I mean, yeah, you know they're probably going to win. He, Keanu's going to win in the end. But, okay. like, you get to see Hopper. You get to spend time with him and, and get what he's about. So, yeah, I'd give him, I'd give him an eight. He's, he's go, a really good eight. villain. Okay. What do you think, Malcolm? It's on the spot, so you know, we won't hold you to it, but we're recording, so I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to hold you to it, but this will exist for a long time. <laughs> this is going out there on the interwebs. <laughs> I'd rate him a little bit lower. Um, okay. I think I had him somewhere between a five and a six, maybe more okay. like a six for a couple of reasons. And the main one is that, like, I don't fear him. Okay. Like, like my sense of, like, visceral fear, right? And so I'm, I am comparing to other villains in my head, but he's, A, not quite um, dark enough. Like, I think about his hair being kind of bedraggled and stuff, like... Where you he want does, him to be more put together, and I'd, I want him to either be more like more big and dark and imposing, or like you know that this is an old sort of James Bond trope, but like the foreign guy, right? You yeah. Know? Or I want him to be, I want his derangement to be a little bit darker and maybe a little bit quieter. Like he he just doesn't scare me the same level as um, as some other people whose brooding intensity is like like the Joker. Like the Joker, you know, um, I'll give you the one that I have in mind who rates really high as a villain for me is Gerard Butler in um, in Law Abiding Citizen. Ooh, good. Okay. Good call. Like, okay. That dude scares me, right? <laughs> you know, and I and so when I think about like what Hopper is in sort of the setup of he, he just is too avuncular. He's too grandfatherly in some ways to do that. He is, I think his commitment to his cause is really good. You know, he's he's got the next bomb kind of set up and planned. Yeah, he does if you have stop this bomb, he's got yeah. another one yeah, ready for you. Yeah, he's got another you. one ready for you. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that's good. Um, but I probably would put him down a, a little bit because I don't feel like I am as a, you know, you gave the Ed Harris reference. Great example of a crappy villain, you know, or a, or a, actually a hero who's miscast as a villain. You know, I don't have him as even the top villain in that movie. But this is one where he's like, he's pretty good. He'll do. And I can think of better ones. Yeah. I like it. I like how we're all, all a little different on it. So I'm going to fine tune the scale a little bit. 
and we'll find those categories. Yeah, we in can each make one, this a thing, and we can break it down, and we can find because every movie is going to have that antagonist in there, so we can figure out. And if we think there's more than one villain in movies, then we can we can double. And it. I'm interested too because like there's so many different types of villains. We're going to talk about so many different kinds of movies. I'm thinking about some of the things we've done already, like. Our first two episodes, we had Shawshank and Varsity Blues. You got the warden, and then you got John Voight, the coach. They're not the same kind of villain where they're blowing people up, they're killing anybody. Well, the warden kind of indirectly, yeah. Yep. But, like, they're more just, like, that authority figure villain. Like, they rate pretty high because of, like, just how kind of evil and how antagonistic towards the heroes of the movie they are. But I wonder how we would rate them. That would be interesting to yeah. hit them against, like, a, a psycho like this or, or somebody, like, capable of... Like just blowing up an entire bus full of people. Yeah, yeah, I actually I had the Shawshank guys, the warden and the guard, higher. Yeah, because the the guard would you know would would re- would in a really visceral way like kill you. Right? Yeah, and the warden psychologically owned you in a way yeah. that I don't think that. But there, does. that's two characters that have different sets of traits. If you if you take Shawshank as an example, like yeah. the warden himself is not going to be a nine or a ten. Neither would the guard because right. he's not going to outsmart you. But together, yeah, they good. might they're, be. You got to grade so them together. They're kind of a duo. So I don't know how you know. This is fun though because there's a lot of there's a lot of different kinds of villains. There's a lot of ways yeah. to skin a cat. So yep. yeah, this could be sure. fun to develop a scale to rate them all against each other. Yeah. So it's working working scale right now. We'll we'll keep we'll keep plowing through it a little bit. But thank you, Malcolm. Thank you, Terrence, for being on the show today. I think this was uh, this was a lot of fun. I think we both we all enjoyed this movie. Well, that's it. That's what we got for today. That's the double take. That's speed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, you know, we'll see you next time.